Welcome to Contemporary American History. I'm Professor Turgeson. You know, a lot of people think history is just facts. It's just information about the past. But not me. I mean, I hold history very sacred. Sacred. The way the farmer looks at the earth and he holds it sacred. The way a Christian takes the Bible and he holds it sacred. The way a lot of people hold their marriage sacred. So I feel about it. So why don't we dive right in by interpreting one of the easiest events in the last 20 years of American history. Now, can someone tell me why in 1975 we pulled our troops out of Vietnam? The failure of Vietnamization to impart their support caused an ongoing erosion of confidence in the various American but illegal Saigon regimes. Is she right? Because I know that's the popular version of what went on there. And a lot of people like to believe that. I wish I could, but I was there. I wasn't here in a classroom, hoping I was right, thinking about it. I was up on my knees in rice patties with guns and Edward going up against Charlie, slugging it out with him, while pussies like you were back there partying, putting headbands on, doing drugs, listening to the goddamn Beatle albums. Oh, oh. Hey, hey, Professor, take it easy, will you? I mean, these kids, they were in grade school at the time. <laughs> well, I didn't know you wanted to get involved with the discussion, Mr. Helper. But since you want to help, maybe you can help me, okay? You remember that thing we had about 30 years ago called that Korean conflict? Yeah, where we failed to achieve victory. How come we didn't cross the 38th parallel and push those back to the Great Wall of China? I think the all right, I'll say it. Because Truman was too much more pussy wimp to let McCarthy go in there and blow out those coming bastards. Good answer. Good answer. Like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. Really? Seven minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. The best part was when I said seven minutes after, and you looked at me, and then you looked at the clock, and then you did this great uh, double-take cringe just now. Oh, my gosh, the greatest thing just happened. My ears just popped. That's a sad <laughs> life. Really? No. Is that, in fact, the greatest thing? It really, if you've been stuffed up for three days, it is the greatest thing ever. Have you uh, been you doubling? seven minutes and all of a sudden my ears just went. Have you doubled your expectorant intake? I did. Fantastic. I did indeed. Excellent. All right. Uh, what are we doing? I don't know. Uh, it's uh, Tuesday and welcome to day 12. It is the Rick Emerson radio program live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson cavalcade of whimsy. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You want to uh, join us today. 503-733-2970. You can also uh, email if you like. Uh, it is uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. 
Facebook.com, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Again, you can uh, call with your comments, clarifications, conventions, two cents, uh, what have you. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. Uh, Richie, by the way, who I do believe is our own Andrew Clark, because uh, Emilio Estevez in the Breakfast Club, because I... And I'm not going to make a whole meal out of this, so to speak, except to say that Richie eats more than anybody I have ever seen in my entire life. And it's like that whole sequence where everybody is taking out their lunch, and it's like, and Ali Sheedy is just jumping pixie sticks or whatever on her sandwich, and uh, Anthony Michael Hall has like the thermos and the sandwich and the apple, and then Emilio Estevez has that whole thing where he brings out the big ass grocery bag, and it's like a 12 course meal, which is exactly what Richie does. I caught him coming in today. He literally eats out of mixing bowls. <laughs> Everything. You've seen it. It, it. it really is like some weird KFC in hell kind of a thing. We, he just brings in two big plastic bags full of food with him, dumps everything into a bowl, and like mashes it down and heats it, and then just spoons it into his face. I mean, it's kind of equal parts fascinating and terrifying. It's sort of like seeing an alligator at feeding time. Anyway. Um... Well, we have more to talk about with uh, with Richie here in just a few, and uh, yeah, lots to get to today. Uh, it is uh, Tuesday. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, Lisa Desjardins coming up today. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum, who I do believe they have in Philadelphia. Yes, uh, he is ensconced in the bosom of Pennsylvania today. As we head toward the Pennsylvania primary, which is uh, just two weeks from today. It's very exciting. Uh, it's CNN Radio of Correspondent James Roop will join us today. I guess, wait, is he in L.A.? No, he's in San Francisco. Is that right? Yeah. That's with the Olympic torch. I guess that's they're, it. They're trying to blow it out there now. And I guess is, I don't really follow things, so I guess that there's, I guess there's the Olympic torch. Do they still do that thing where they have to run across the entire country with it? I guess so, yeah. Somebody picks it up in Maine, and then somebody else grabs it in Kansas, and somebody else... Anyway, so somebody's protesting something, and then the police are beating somebody else. And... Well, you're supposed to, to chase the person down the street and try to blow it out. That's, that's the fun of it. <laughs> really? So yeah. it's sort of a... Uh, it seems like there's some uh, some some reference I can be making there. So it's sort of like Quest for Fire meets... Oh, this is not a good start. See, it seems like there's a joke there. It's like Quest for Fire meets... It's like Quest for Fire meets uh, The Running Man. That sounds good to me. All right. Well, anyway, let's all pretend that went better than it did. So we'll talk to Jim Roop. Uh, we have It's the Worst Song uh, You've Ever Heard coming up later today. Uh, a whole list of uh, horrific slash fascinating news stories. Uh, we were theoretically going to do a top five today, uh, but we haven't really come up with anything yet. And so I came in. And I forgot to look through my CDs. I came in. Well, Sarah was going to, because yesterday I did the top five girliest songs on my MP3 player. Sarah was going to put together the top five. Most embarrassing songs in her record collection, but then just didn't get a chance to do it. And I came in today at like 10 after 10. I said, well, I don't have any top five. What are we going to do? we got to come up with something. Can you maybe put together something in the next 45 minutes, and we'll do that today? That also did not happen, largely because Sarah's just full of phlegm today. So I would guess that... I'm feeling a little bit better than yesterday. Is that true? Yeah, I just saw you do the thing where you pounding your chest with your fist. I know. Well, my throat hurts a little bit better, but it seems like it's... It has to be better than yesterday. Would yesterday you say like... that you are at this point some kind of big mucus-filled pinata? No. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, so I think we're going to let the audience handle the top five today. Um, and so this, uh, I don't know if we have time to talk about this now. Well, we do. I guess we have to. So 
You can call about this now. We're not going to get to your calls for a few minutes. Uh, but you can be calling about this now. So we're going to set ourselves a little challenge today. Um, what we're going to do is I think we're going to have the audience select the sort of headline, sort of what the top five is. And then uh, we will have until, I would say, two-ish to actually put together and assemble that top five. So it's sort of a, you know... We'll give us the topic, and then we can assemble it. Exactly. So okay. you'll give us the top five, blah, 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 and then we'll have until 2 o'clock to put it together. So it's equal parts radio bit and contest for us. So it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And we'll roll through the phones. We'll take some suggestions about what today's top five ought to be. And then we'll try to get it put together and assembled in time to do it later on uh, today around the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, so it's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, uh, in just a few minutes, uh, we will announce the name of the Roastmaster for, uh, Rick uh, for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. Did I tell you, did I confirm? No. Did I tell you who it was? Let me write it down here. I thought we mentioned this yesterday, but yesterday was just a big drug-induced uh, haze. So there you go. That that is who's going to be the roast master uh, for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. So that means at that means that when the actual roast begins, that person will come out, greet everybody, set the stage with a few well-placed barbs of his own, and then introduce the roasters one by one throughout the evening. God, I'm so like I'm already having anxiety about this because you know that I have a fear of public speaking. I know you don't have a fear of public drinking though, so one might assuage <laughs> the other. Thank you, Tim. Tim just found that comment amusing, Sarah. <laughs> the drinking sometimes doesn't help. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Uh, anyway, so uh, so we will announce the name of the of the roastmaster uh, here in just a few minutes. What else is coming up today? Well, other things. Oh, somebody sent us. I don't know if maybe this ship has sailed. I think I I, my, I myself may have just lost interest in this. But you know, we did the Obama song. And then it had been speculated that we needed to do a McCain song and a Hillary song. Now, the good news is, even if we're sort of bored of that idea now, we got like months uh, until the election. And we have a couple of months anyway uh, until the until the Hillary-Obama thing. So it's not like we have to do it today. Somebody did send us a great suggestion for a John McCain song to parody, though. Um, I almost don't want to just say it. I, I, w- I almost want to play the actual song later on so everybody can kind of connect the dots immediately in their head. So Malcolm, uh, listener Malcolm, sent us a great idea. For a song that should be parodied for John McCain. So we'll get to that. Uh, Tim Riley working in the following stories for your edification. Wow, the list is vast and endless. <laughs> a man who was found in a woman's closet dressed in lingerie uh, is off the hook for some crime of some sort. If there was an engine room fire aboard a cruise ship on the Columbia leading to a mayday and evacuation. It was almost a local Titanic. A woman loses her parental rights and allegedly throws a Molotov cocktail through the window of the Gresham office for the Department of Human Services. That'll help get the kids back. Another woman is charged with forcing her perfectly healthy child to live in a wheelchair. Oh. Mm-hmm. A doctor's legs are crushed while loading his luggage at PDX. <laughs> wow. More than 400 polygamy kids are removed from a Texas ranch. John McCain claims Condi Rice has no interest in being vice president. Hillary Clinton's people announced the opening of her Portland office yesterday, but failed to tell anyone where it was. I but know. we found out. I know where it is. 32 Northwest Fifth Avenue. <laughs> I was okay. Saying, okay, I wasn't actually going to do that, but thanks, Tim. Oh, Excellent. then I ruined something. Oh, 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 no, I'm sure she's... Doesn't matter to me. I don't work there. 
That's 32 Northwest Fifth Avenue. <laughs> according to uh, according to somebody who uh, saw the campaign office, he said it doesn't really appear that anybody else works there either. Well, that's so, good. That looked very cold and empty. Uh, Bravo loses Project Runway to Lifetime. Expect a lawsuit. Oregon State Police are looking for the toilet burner. Fantastic. So overwhelming, really. That doesn't even. That's not even counting. Let me just run through these, Tim. Ask if if you have any of these stories. Mm-hmm. These are stories that I pulled. Uh, that I did not get a chance to sort of collate and set aside and organize today. By the way, I want it to be known, I took my Claritin early today, and I am feeling fantastic. Uh, the lesson we learned yesterday, listening back to the recap yesterday was actually pretty funny. I, uh, I was so, we were so deep in the program yesterday, and we were all just as weird allergy drug-induced haze. I couldn't tell whether yesterday's show was even moderately amusing. Listening back today to the recap, it was, it was really, it was really freaking funny. No wonder uh, people want to work here. Seriously. I, uh... I, I was, and I, I don't mean just to be about how great we are, but boy, goddamn, yesterday was funny. Um, anyway, so, uh, but but yesterday, we all, or Sarah and I, anyway, we took our Claritin at like noon. That was a mistake. It turns out you're supposed to take that, you know, before you actually have to do any work or or be entertaining. So I took mine today at nine. Uh, there was there was no vigor viso today, uh, so I uh, I changed things up a little bit. Had a viso will, and I'm uh, I think diversity is good every now and again, even even if it must be for it's sort of the forced busing of the beverage world because there was no vigor, so I had to have will, and I'm feeling great. So I had uh, I you know and let me just say this about viso, vigor was sold out in the machine here. Go across to the plaid, complete, uh, completely sold out there. So I do believe that is the flavor the public has really like latched onto. Eric was here today. I think he restocked it. Yeah, excellent. Um, Tim, do you have the following stories? Um, let's see. Uh, lecturer covered in burns after acid bath. No, I don't have that. Okay. Do you have this? South Branch man dies from self-inflicted chainsaw wound. Don't have that one. Okay. Do you have this one? Uh, dancer at topless club catches fire. I do have that one. Okay. Do you have, uh, let's see. Do you have this one where, now we talked a little bit about this yesterday, the, the father and daughter that are married and then having, having sex. Um, do you have the one where the guy describes their sexual relationship as being, quote, absolutely fantastic? Yeah, we mentioned that. All right, great. I'll put that over here. Yeah, I think we, that one, you said that yesterday, right? Yeah. Do we have the thing yesterday where they said their sex life was fantastic? Uh-huh. I must have blocked it out. Uh, let's see. And... Do you have this thing about the kid in Colorado who's been suspended uh, for sniffing uh, a Sharpie? No. Okay, I'll set that over there. We'll do some of those later on then. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented of slightly congested Sarah Dillon. How are you? It's true. Well, you said we should always get these things out, and I feel like you're being a little snippy with me today. You're not respecting the fact that I am very fearful of public speaking and that I am actually mentally counting down the days till I have to get up in front of hundreds of people and talk. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be intense. That's okay, and I bought you a present today, too, and now I just... I don't know. Do I have to say something? Now, now you're just filled with a vacuum of hate. No, no, no hate. I'm just, I'm just saying you always... Here's the thing. I recognize that maybe speaking in front of people is not everybody's bag. Uh, but you always pull it off with a plum. I'm not trying to jinx it. I'm just saying... And this is like the 11th one of these we've done. And I'm just saying, you you know, you've always come through with flying colors. No, my public speaking class in college was the scariest thing ever. That's is it odd thing. to you that you've, that you've fallen into this line of work? <laughs> it really is. But Where you not only have to speak on the radio, but... I just but talk in front of you guys. I'm just saying every now and again, you must get up in front of a group of people. I'm thinking it's going to be good for me. I'm thinking it's going to be a good learning experience for me. Plus, I get to kind of make fun of you. So. Yeah, not okay. kind of. I mean, you get to... All right, you get your present. Okay, excellent. Okay. You could go on a speaking circuit and make big bucks. 
Who, to whom are you speaking? <gasps> sir, Excellent. Thank you. They won't last long. You better hide them. Oh, no, I'm completely hiding these. Thank you very much, Sarah. Where did you, you get welcome. these? I got them at Safeway. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, I feel bad for being mean. I don't mean to be mean. I'm just saying. Here's the thing. I have faith in you that perhaps you yourself sometimes don't have. I know. I believe in you uh, even when you do not. That's what I'm saying. I know it sounds corny, but it's true. I'm just saying I, <laughs> Thank you, Rick Emerson. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. I'm a big believer in Sarah Dillon. Okay. All right. Uh, and you do sound a little bit better than you do. I see, I, I'm actually feeling a little bit better. I took a couple of um, these. I don't even want to say the name of it on the air. No, please. You have to say <laughs> This is a generic uh, Safeway drug called... Mucus relief. <laughs> mucus relief. Yeah. How gross is that? <laughs> well, at you know what it does. <laughs> exactly. Really, there's no, get, there's no getting is, around it. You know, it is working. I, I drank a lot of water yesterday. I got a lot of rest. Um, I bought some lotion-y tissues, too, because I really can't, like, blow my nose with this, like, wooden paper towel. Be very anymore. careful you don't wipe your glasses with those. Okay. I made that mistake once where I took some of those, like, one of those, like, soft tissues or whatever where it's, like, goo. It's got goo inside of it. Uh, not goo, but you know what I mean, like uh, a lotion. Yeah, and I, I wipe my glasses with them, and then they just never come clean. You gotta, it takes like 15 minutes under the tap to get those things clean again. So, all right. So I've been I've been powering through a new series, of course, as as, as you know I always do. So I've been watching. I just finished the second season of uh, The Office. I yeah. haven't ever watched the, the American, American version. version. It's really good. It they, is so uncomfortable and yeah. hilarious. And uh, they do find their footing on that series. It, t- it took them a few episodes, but they really figured out what they were doing. Man, and you know that Steve Carell's a good actor when you like simultaneously hate him, and then all of a sudden you feel sorry for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Which is the thing the British series did really well, where Ricky Gervais was Man, horrible, he's genius. but every now and again you would feel sympathy. Like there was that episode where they were going to fire him, and he has that whole speech about, please don't make me redundant, you know, mm-hmm. and, you, and you're like, oh, I feel bad for him, and, which is a neat trick, and Steve Carell does it really well. They can well both as well. pull it off. I yeah. didn't, you know what, I hesitated on watching the American version because I love the BBC version so right. much. And this is just as good. You know, Lara watches the uh, the office, and I, I I do have to admit that I actually leave the room sometimes because it's just too awkward. It is. I just can't watch it. Sometimes. I know. I'm watching it by myself. I'm just like, oh, and I'll I'll get up and kind of like go get a drink or something and kind of have to distance myself from it. And I just decided to totally give up on Six Feet Under. I'm sorry to all the people who loved it so much. In it was face. too. It was too depressing. Yeah, it's it was too depressing, and they manufacture drama on that show. Yeah, and it was just like I started to hate all the characters, except yeah. for, you know, of course, David. But um, And, like, with the dying and the everything, it's just... And the impending doom of Nathan's death. And, and, the, and you know. the thing about Six Feet Under is it really is... And it's, it, this is not surprising, considering it came from the guy who created American Beauty, with which I have any number of problems. Six Feet Under really ought to be subtitled like the uninteresting problems of white people. That's, it just, that's I mean, it exact, really is. It started to seem like they started to create these problems that weren't there, and the problems that were there they weren't really addressing. And then I was just getting frustrated because every relationship on that show I was yeah. really starting to disdain. I'm just like, you know, I'm not happy when I finish watching this show. It just makes me feel kind of dirty. Yeah, yeah. That was that was my whole thing, too. I remember sitting there watching, because uh, Alan Ball is the guy who created the show, and I remember watching American Beauty in the theater. And American Beauty had some really great performances in it. I mean, the acting in that movie is really great. But I remember sitting there watching American Beauty going, you know, I would love to have these problems. I really would. What's your problem? Well, I live in this huge house, and uh, I don't have to work for a living, and I got all this money, and uh, I'm worried about how to seduce this hot girl. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yes, my life is hard. I remember just sitting in the theater going, like, F, F these people. <laughs> Seriously, F them. So, all right. Uh, well, let's see. Um, just a couple brief notes, and then we'll get some suggestions about what today's top five ought to be. Um, who wants to hear the worst thing in the entire world? I do. Excellent. I do. Joni said this last night. Uh, we were uh, working, you know, because we always do sort of uh, intro film and uh, whatever for the listener party. So she and I were getting together. We were scripting out the intro movie and some other things that are going to be happening at Listener Party 11. And at one point, I came up with what was apparently kind of an interesting idea. I said, oh, no, no, no. we had this problem we couldn't solve. 
And I said, oh, wait a minute. How about we blah, 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 blah. And I laid out my suggestion. And she sat up really straight and wrote it down. And then without even really thinking, she said, quoting now, she said this at 9.03 last night. Joni said, quote, good ideas make my womb tingle. I love Joni so much. There you go. Good ideas make my womb tingle. Uh, let's see. Uh, also this. Well, that's a stupid observation. You know, I'm going to do a little self-editing. You know what sucks is that since I am all congested and full of mucus, like every time you say something <laughs> funny, I have to cough. Sarah Dillon, <laughs> she's full of mucus. All right. Uh, oh, Roastmaster. Do I have time? Well, I'll do that later. We're going to make people wait for that. Uh, later today, we will announce the Roastmaster uh, for uh, Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. Let's do, like, two calls here for top five suggestions. And then if we don't come up with a suitable uh, top five, we'll we'll figure it out sometime before the top of the hour. Hello, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hi, guys. Uh, this is Steve calling. Hello, Steve. Hello. Hi. Uh, I'm pleased to tell you today that I have a suggestion for the top five. Uh-huh. Um, and that's uh, creepy. The top five creepy songs um, that uh, use the word or the, the phrase "making love" in it. Top five? Do they ha- does it have to be in the title? No, just somewhere in the lyric. And and one of the prerequisites is that when you hear it, you don't want to have sex for weeks afterwards. <laughs> okay. So this is an oddly specific list. Is yeah, it because it's like, okay, so what's the certain song that you have in your head? Is some you personal want? neurosis you're working <laughs> through? Well, yeah, yeah. I have a couple, actually, Islands in the Stream or whatever that is. Uh-huh. They say making love to each other. Oh, God, that's creepy. All right. Well, we'll take it under advisement. And then there's a feel like making love, which is also pretty creepy. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, maybe this is an ill-advised. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What should our top five be today? Horrific injury song. I don't understand. What do you mean you don't understand? Like, give, us a, <laughs> give a sample song, sir. <laughs> Listen, Jesus, I think everybody's a little snippy today. A little crazy. What, what do you mean a horrific injury song? I don't think I understand the... Well, something like arms being cut off or... Blend, Give me an know. example. What music do you listen to? Seriously, what is this like from your Cannibal Corpse box set? What, Maybe. What? What? Give me an example. Maybe. Well, I don't have an example really. Behold my shock. Okay. Yeah. So a song about arms being cut off. Well, or you know, groin injuries or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll write it down, sir. Okay. Not really writing that down. All right. Let's take a break, shall we? When we come back, we'll we'll try that again. We'll talk to Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley. Uh, we'll announce the Roastmaster, and we're still looking for names for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. So it's all in the way. Stay there. Don't go. Uh, the way you can rationalize things in your head. No, no, you have to. That's that's the thing where you you do, it's it's difficult. It's like ripping off a band. Uh huh. It's difficult, but it's the right thing to do. All right, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, it's the worst song you've ever heard. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop. Uh, we will announce the Roastmaster uh, for Rick Emerson uh, Listener Party 11. Let's see, what else? Uh, we are still looking for suggestions for today's top five list. Uh, let's see, so if you are on hold right now, uh, Frank, Scott, Jason, and whoever the other guy is, uh, I'm looking at you, sort of figuratively speaking. Uh, hang on, we'll get to you in just a few. Ladies and gentlemen, from the hill, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Why, hello, and how are you on this fine Tuesday? Hey, I'm well. Who are you? 
Who or how? <laughs> I'm Rick Emerson. I do a radio program. How terrible is that? This was, sorry, Dan Dan was just messaging uh-huh. me and I had to ask him a who question as I was asking you a how question. That's really embarrassing. You realize it sounds like you're speaking gibberish right now, right? <laughs> I feel like it. Uh-huh. All right. Remember yesterday when we had a whole conversation that I apparently also had with you on Friday and I was oblivious to it because I have some sort of early onset Alzheimer's? <laughs> I think now today it's been transferred to you, so have fun oh, with that. It's completely been transferred to me. I'm nervous about anything else I say from here forth. Hooray! All right. Well, why should I be the only one to be a bundle of neuroses all the time? <laughs> Doesn't seem fair. Yes, I'm all right. Um, okay. So, um, I don't know. I guess there's this... <laughs> Uh, we can just sort of plunge in into the Iraq thing, but I mean, it just it just seems like I very rarely will you ever hear me say something like this, but it really does seem like I will not be doing justice to the story in however long we have here because it's just such a big, snarled uh, issue that I can't even really pretend that we're going to be addressing it to some sort of completion. Um, but I know that, that uh, General uh, Petraeus was there, and he was giving his update to the Senate, and I guess the upshot is... Is his assessment is that we're going to do more harm than good if we leave now, or we got to stay longer, or something, right? <laughs> you can throw all the phrases in there. Uh, basically, what he what he has asked for is to keep troop levels at about 130,000, and that's really the original troop level. Uh, so he's essentially saying, let's end. We'll end the surge, and we'll end the surge in July, and after that, I want to keep at that 130,000 level that we've had for years now, and I want to keep that for 45 days, for a month and a half, uh, while we see what happens, see how it goes. After that 45 days, he wants to see what happens, see how it goes. So he's 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 asking for essentially two periods of evaluation, but the second one is open-ended, and, and senators were critical of that, saying, okay, so you, you basically just want to be able to uh, keep troops there at this level, potentially indefinitely and he said well yes I, I i cannot see the future i may need troops at this level i may not i want the option and so and it, so it seems very possible from his testimony today that troops will remain at this level potentially until we have a new president in office it's not clear it does depend on if things improve in iraq if he thinks they're improving maybe he will you know what this sounds like this whole thing this entire situation and his sort of analysis of of what we need to do or not do it sounds like uh, you know, when a guy's living with a woman and it, it, and, it, 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 and where she wants him to either propose marriage or move out. Uh, and he ins- he instead just keeps saying, well, you know, I want to make sure that we're really compatible. And, uh, you know, I don't want us to be one of those couples where we rush into anything or, or, or you know, break up prematurely and then regret it. And so I think it's good to, you know, we should take uh, some time and really assess uh, where we are. And, you know, talk about it again in a few months or, you know, next year or, you know, you know whatever. And, uh, you know, at that point, if we still feel like this is something we both want to do, then we can, you know, we can, we can talk about it then. But I would, I would hate to really uh, to be rash about it. And really the guy's just thinking, like, I'm watching SportsCenter and I don't want to talk about this. And I don't want to be – I still want to be able to leave tomorrow if I want to. So can we – can I – can you just go in the other room? I mean, that's really – that's what the guy's saying. And that's kind of what this sounds like, right, where – they, they, they know that either decision is going to be unpopular, so it's a lot of, well, let's just kind of hang around and do do a whole lot of nothing drastic one way or the other. And there is a very real sense, I think, a growing sense of the Bush administration running out the clock on this and a lot of other issues uh, that are coming to a head right now that sort of the longer they can delay Congress on some issues, 
longer that essentially, first of all, Congress doesn't have the votes to change the Iraq war policy right now, even if it wanted to. And and this is true of many other areas. So the president is sort of saying, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's, you know, but con- Congress does have does have to be sort of an accountability check. And that's why we had these hearings today. Meanwhile, I think a lot of people are watching, of course, because these two committees that Petraeus is testifying to uh, include on those committees the three presidential candidates. So he actually is facing the person who will most likely be the next president of the United States. And, of course, already this morning he's spoken in front of John McCain and Hillary Clinton. Both of them questioned him. Uh, Surprising, Hillary Clinton really did not have the strident campaign tone at all. Actually, as she finished her testimony, a reporter just uh, a few feet away from me uh, kind of yelled out louder than he meant to, was that it? (laughs) She really, she was much more, she had her soft Hillary on. She was critical of the war and critical of what was going on, but in an almost very conditional way, saying it might be fair to say that this is irresponsible. Not at all what we hear from her on the campaign trail. Barack Obama is up next. His committee meets with Petraeus. Should be meeting now. They just just began. And and I know what you you love the best, probably the news I have that you will like the most today, is just minutes before we went on air, we had the uh, sort of the little news bell go off up here in the, the attic where all the reporters are, uh, and we got the news flash. Barack Obama and John McCain together on the Senate floor. Fantastic. It's, so, it, yeah, it is very much like the air traffic control when two planes are within 100 yards of each other. That's exactly There's, right. There's an alarm that goes off and John Cusack screams at Billy Bob Thornton to do something. <laughs> Damn it, do something. Lots of screen about it. Exactly. Yeah, excellent. All right. Well, I know it's a busy day for you, so I will uh, I will let you get back to things. And, yeah, and also I'm making no sense. I'm glad I've held it. <laughs> excellent. All right, enjoy your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. All right, see you in a radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins. Oh, poor lady. And also I'm making no sense. That's okay. You know, we did four hours of making no sense yesterday. Uh, let's do a couple of these before we talk to Steve Kasterman. Hello? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello? Hi, you're Hello. on the... Hello, hi. Yeah, I had a top five theme song. What is your name, sir? Uh, Frank Smith. Frank, uh, excellent. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Are you, a, are you a long-time listener? Yes, I am. Excellent. All right. Thank you for uh, joining us today. How did you discover the Rick Emerson Show? Uh, actually, when I started working here at the Chair Outlet, my friend Dennis uh, turned me on to your show, Excellent. and we listen to it all day in our delivery van and when I'm here in the shop building chairs. Excellent. Fantastic. What is your top five suggestion today, sir? Top five cartoon theme songs. Hey, there you go. That's something. That's, there that's you go. Top five cartoon theme songs. Top five cartoon theme songs. That's not bad. All right. And so, of course, the deal is... Uh, we would have to put this together and get it assembled and ready to go by like two o'clock or so. Top five cartoon theme songs. Okay, that's not bad. And you are your name is Frank. Yep. Frank, that is an early front runner right now. That's a good idea. Cool. Excellent. All right. All right. Thank Thanks, you, my sir. friend. All right. Thank yeah, you. Sure ever. Thank you. But do we Bye. want to deviate into theme songs so soon after we all did our TV? The theme debacle songs? of last time. Totally. Uh, I don't it know might we... be fun to do something completely different. Maybe I'm going to do that at some point. Yeah, if we don't that's do it good... today. Yeah. If we don't do that today, we're going to do that soon. That's pretty good. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, but you're right. It might be too soon. It might not. And then you know the thing is, if we do it and screw it up, then it's going to have to be another five days. And we of just it. got over the scorn of the last time. And then everybody else, I demand to come in and do my five cartoon themes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. How's it going, Rick? What's up? Uh, I think I got a good top five. All right, go ahead, sir. All right. So this morning, somebody asked me uh, did Huey Lewis sing Lover Boys. Uh, Working for the weekend, and I was like, no, 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 that's Loverboy. Right. 
So uh, then we started reminiscing about the sways and uh, the dancing and uh, the Farley. Uh-huh. So that led to, well, what would your male stripper dance be? So how about the top five male stripper dance songs? Wait, so you, do you mean theoretically like if I were to be a male stripper or just in general? <laughs> well, if you want to put yourself in that position, then sure. I think he wants More to than kind of anything. on that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I so transparent, like sir? Uh, so this would be the top five. I can't do that. That's just awkward. The top five. Uh, top Long five. Chicken kicks too. Male yes. Dance songs. Yes. The yeah. top five male stripper dance songs. Uh, if you want, if you want to throw yourself into the pole, then. Well, so they'd, they'd, be, they'd be the top five male stripper songs that are not working for the weekend. So uh, apart from that one. Yeah, I think you got to take that one out since I just mentioned it. All right. Okay. Uh, top five uh, male strip. Uh, now we should actually say at this point. Now, uh, Sarah, have you ever been to a male strip review? No, I just hired that stripper when I was 16 for my friend. That's oh, that's it. right. I forgot about Roger. that. Roger. So I... Uh, I don't think I have... No, I'm sure I have at some point. I just It's not really coming to my mind, this though. really should go without saying, I suppose, but uh, neither have I. The closest I ever came is that I, w- I waited outside a Chippendale show one time to pick a fight with my girlfriend. I'm totally lying. During SantaCon this last year, I did go to uh, what used to be... Uh, it was Silverado? Was it? Was it you that went to Silverado? I think so. Maybe. Well, because I went there during SantaCon, and there was the guy with the flip book, and he stuck his thing yes. through there, and he was changing the Top picture. Top five yeah. male strip songs. All right, that's not bad either. All right, what's your name, sir? Matt. All right, Matt, thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, there you go. That's not bad at all. Yeah, all I know about male strip songs is what I've seen in, like, bad SNL sketches. So I don't have any idea. That's the thing is I don't really have any idea what guys would actually strip to. Is it all like Euro trash, like techno music, or is it a lot of like? I mean, I know what you're I, gonna have to look inside yourself for this one, Rick Emerson. I don't really. Thanks, but I don't really know that that's gonna help. Why don't we we can we can put it off of us and be like the top five songs that Richie would strip to? Wow. <laughs> Are you saying that he'd have to come up with the songs himself? Because I guess if I have to come up with the songs, I'm working with a blank slate. I have nothing. Yeah. I got. Maybe we should come up with what we think Richie would want to dance to. Ah. Uh, Hold on, let's ask Richie. Oh, Richie, can you join us in the studio, please? Oh, By Odie. And then uh, Jason on line four. We'll get to you in just a second. All right, it's quite fun. Now by our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol. Hello, sir. How are you? Good morning. Uh, so do you feel up to creating the top five songs that you, Richie Bristol, would strip to? Sounds fun. Can uh-huh. I strip to? No. No. Why oh. would you ask that? <laughs> <laughs> I want to please that you. Was a weird, that was a weird. Look at you, Sarah. Like giggle in an awkward <laughs> pause while staring at me. Um, uh, so now, uh, I mean, do we feel like that's going to be funny if Richie comes up with the songs he would strip to? Or I don't know. Let's keep that. Let's keep on going. Let's keep plowing. All right. So we're so theoretically, be thinking about it. Uh-huh. Theoretically, we might go with top five songs you, Richie Bristol, would strip to. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll kind of work on it. All right. Excellent. All right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll talk to uh, Steve Kastenman. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Um, I've spent the last week uh, in Mexico essentially ignoring my wife reading Youth and Revolt. And Excellent, good for you. Great, great, great read. Sarah, you're insane for not liking it. What? Uh, no, no, no. I did like that No, no, no. It's, uh, no oh, Sarah... I thought I heard, I'm sorry, I thought I heard at one point that you would... Uh, no, Sarah loved it. No, was... I loved it. I own it. It was uh, Court and Fatboy. Court. I got it for Christmas, and yeah. I finally got a chance to read it. Yeah, no, no. Sarah, Sarah is a huge fan of Youth and Revolt. It was Court and Fatboy from KUFO who read it and didn't like it. So what should I fill my brain with next? Well, what are you in the mood for, serious or comedy? 
Um, you know, I really like, uh, typically I read more serious, so that I've got covered. I'm looking for something in the vein of uh, Youth and Revolt. Well, I, the sad news is you're not really going to find a lot of things in the vein of Youth and Revolt. Youth and Revolt is, for my money, uh, a, a, a sort of book all unto itself. Uh, there, I can't really think of anything else that is it's completely, like... It's completely outside of uh, my typical reading. I can't really think of anything else that is like Youth and Revolt. It really is. It's, it's kind, it is of, kind of its own thing. Uh, yeah, I've never, <laughs> I, I've never read anything like it. Um, I mean, I don't know, Sarah. Funny books. I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, Rick. I'm so, I don't typically read a lot of fiction, and the fiction I do read is typically not all that light. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Douglas Copeland, but even, but, but he's know, not really that funny. Yeah, he's not laugh out loud funny. He really isn't. I, uh, yeah, I. I'm, There's like. I mean, like, Chuck Palahniuk can be quirky. Yeah, and he's sort of dark, though. Um, are you much of a sci-fi fan at all? Uh, I did that back in high school. So you've read all the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, I got, see, then I got nothing. I have no... Uh, I feel like I failed you here, but I have no suggestions. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, Keep listening. Try not to hate me, sir. Uh, not a problem. All right, thank you. All right, all right, there you go. Well, I feel like I let everybody down. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. Yeah, now I'm just going over that in my head, and I have nothing to suggest. <laughs> All my funny books I read are, like, more girly books, you know? Yeah, and I, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I can think of some short, like that David Sedaris guy uh, who wrote uh, Me Talk Pretty One Day and Naked Beneath My Clothes. He's sort of twisty, but he's, uh, he's a little precious, he's a little smug for my taste. Uh, hello, Steve Kastenbaum, how are you? Doing good, I'm in Philadelphia today. What? Oh, that's right, oh, that's okay, because we're now two weeks out from the primary, right? Yes, today is exactly two weeks from the much-anticipated Pennsylvania primary, and so we're doing some preview stuff here they, today. Uh, they claim here on the prep sheet that you're, quote, talking with voters about the big issues. <laughs> yeah, well, I did do that. As so a matter are, of fact, I did. So what are the – well, first of all, what is the general consensus there, both in a sort of a gut sense and in terms of the numbers about where uh, Hillary and Obama are? Well – a couple of Barack Obama's top supporters had even said on, on TV uh, in several interviews that they uh, were resigned to the fact that Hillary was going to win this state. So they're already lowering expectations, and everybody thinks that's, you know, uh, very much uh, a strategy aimed at saying, see, we did a lot better than we thought we were going to do. And Hillary Clinton right now has actually watched her two-digit lead sort of slowly whittle away she uh, had uh, a double-digit lead, and now our CNN poll of polls, the average of several polls, uh, now shows that she's got only about a seven-percentage-point lead over Hillary Clinton amongst people likely to vote on uh, the 22nd. Now, is that within – is that counting the, the, the margin of error? Yeah, that is, actually. In fact, uh, our political desk says that there is no margin of error on on this uh, because we're averaging it's an the aggregate. most recent polls. Yeah, and so it's really interesting. And so this now with the people you're sort of talking to, is you're sort of out and about uh, speaking with folks there. Where I mean, what is the general tone of the people you're talking to in terms of that? Does that follow what the numbers are telling you? Yeah, but well, I'm, I'm actually in Philadelphia, so it's a little bit skewed here because you know Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, the two big cities. You wind up with uh, you know a larger segment of the population that's more educated. Uh, and they, they they are much more inclined to do more research into the uh, candidates before they decide who they're going to vote for, whereas when you get out into the heartland, those folks tend to vote more according to their gut instincts. And, and I'm not saying that they're not smart, but they, you know, they, they, uh, they tend to go with uh, somebody who they like who, who, who 
who sort of looks more like they do. In other words, their race is playing a role here and gender playing a role here in Pennsylvania as well. You know, 85% of the uh, Democrats voting on the 22nd are white. And a majority of them are voting for Hillary Clinton. And it's a, uh, and the state's really similar to Ohio, too, is it not, demographically? It's similar to Ohio, except for the fact that this is overwhelmingly a Democratic state, whereas Ohio can go either way sometimes. All right, the big issue before we wrap this up here, of course, the big question on everybody's mind is, uh, have you had a Philly cheesesteak, and if so, uh, how did you find it to be? <laughs> I went to Rick's Philly Cheesesteak, and as you guys know, and as Sarah is aware, uh, I stopped eating red meat after I read the book uh, Fast Food Nation. But uh, I make special allowances on occasions like this, where I am somewhere where it is absolutely necessary to enjoy some red meat. So I went to Rick's Philly Cheesesteak. You, you might know him as the guy that put up the sign that says you must order in English. Right, right. Yes. So I went there, and, you know, after not eating red meat for a long time, it wasn't as good as I had hoped it would be. You know, the thing is that, you know, you know what, this is exactly like last Friday uh, when I realize now it's nothing like this. But last Friday, I bought this Hostess fruit pie out of the vending machine here. And uh -huh. I have been lamenting for some time the fact that I just typically don't eat a lot of processed sugar. I'm not like a health freak. I just I didn't grow up eating it, so I don't eat it now as an adult. I don't eat a lot of sort of prepared uh, store-bought, as they would say, desserts. And every now and again, I'll feel like I want one, and then I get about three bites into it, and I realize it's just revolting. And that was my thing, man, because I just haven't eaten a lot of processed sugar or desserts in my life. I got, I don't know, maybe a bite and a half in, and I re it was like having a mouthful of slightly slightly fruit-flavored lard. It's just no good. I feel you. Yeah. I feel you, because when I, you know, the, the Philly cheesesteak, it's really poor quality, thinly sliced meat that they, they just throw on the grill, and it's so thin it cooks in like 30 seconds on each side. And, and it's really not good quality stuff, so uh, you know it doesn't really sit well with you when, when when it goes down. I'm sorry that your I'm sorry that your cultural experience was not all it might have uh, ideally been, sir. <laughs> but hey, I did pass by the uh, the steps of the Philly Art Museum where Rocky uh, ran to the top. Please and, tell me. Uh, yeah. Please tell me that you did ran you up it? and did, did, the, did the thing. Are you kidding me? No way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. People in New York don't lower themselves to things like that, do they? You know what's funny? When you grow up in New York, you get to a city like Philadelphia and or, or any other big city that's a perfectly fine, good place to live, and you wind up saying, you know, Philadelphia is not bad. <laughs> you say that about so many cities like Washington, D.C. It's not bad. You should be sure to, to phrase that uh, exactly that way every time you talk to somebody in Philadelphia. Well, I'm from New York. Your city's okay. Be sure to call it a cute little city, too. Right. We never say, hey, this is a great place. When, when, you know, it's like hard for places to compare. You always want to say it's not bad. <laughs> you, are a, you are a fine cultural emissary, my friend. Uh, although, uh, although Portland, I hear, is fantastic. Uh, I, will, I will say that. It's a little too late to gild that, Lily. I know you think we've got a fine, cute little city. I can tell. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you guys... Yes? I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, you guys have some sort of a thing going on with congestion pricing or something. Is that true? With, I'm sorry? Uh, there, there's just some proposal in Portland... To do some sort of congestion pricing for it's, people driving into the city during I, rush hour? I don't think so. Tim, have you heard anything about that? No, I uh, I don't think that's the case. I know they're doing that in, in in Manhattan, right? Well, that's the thing. It got voted down by the state legislature. The uh, you know city officials uh, in New York are very upset about this. You know they voted it in as as an environmental uh, measure, and they were going to charge drivers uh, eight dollars to drive into the heart of the city during rush hour. But then the state uh, representatives uh, told the people in the city, "Hey, we're not going to let you do that with your own property." because they didn't want their uh, right. suburbanites uh, being charged. 
But then I had heard that you guys were trying to do the same thing in Portland. I guess I'm wrong. I, you know what? Portland is sort of a weird, a weird city though, because it's a weird mix of sort of, of sort of hippies and hard hats, and and so it wouldn't surprise me that some of the more liberal factions of Portland had tried to float something like that, maybe here in the city proper. But something like that would almost not, a, would almost assuredly not pass because there is such a massive number of suburbanites and rednecks here that we just never tolerated. So. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Seattle could really use something like that as well. But uh, it's trying to take up time. I, I know I shouldn't have gone off on a tangent. Damn you, Steve <laughs> Kastenbaum! All right, uh, I don't know if we'll, uh, are you going to be there for, uh, for tomorrow as well. Or are you heading back? So I'm heading back, but I have to come back on Sunday to Pennsylvania for this faith forum that both uh, Hillary and Barack are going to be speaking at uh, near Harrisburg, uh, near the state capital uh, over there, uh, around Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, something to do with, with uh, faith and how it influences their uh, everyday decisions in life. Sounds exciting. Not really. Yes. Not, not really. All right. Uh, well, if we don't talk to you, travel safe, and we will undoubtedly speak with you in the very near future, my friend. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Steve Kastenbaum. There you go. That's uh, Steve in uh, Philadelphia. That guy become more stridently pro-New York every time we talk it to him? It does seem to be. Seems like that's some sort of a my dad can beat up your dad uh, kind of a thing going on with him. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Um, uh, so you guys were talking about Youth in Revolt earlier. Yes, sir. Um, have you heard about the Youth in Revolt movie? Uh, I've seen the first few pages of the script, actually. Um, they were on Ain't It Cool News. Somebody had scanned in, somebody who had a copy of it had scanned in the first couple pages, uh, of the script. And, uh, what I read was, you know, it's hard to get a feel from, like, three pages, but it, it, it seemed pretty faithful to the book. Yeah, and... Is, are you stoked on Michael Sarah being Nick Twist? Well, he's really the only person I can see doing it. I Me think if they, if they don't go with him, uh, it would have to be for my money. If they don't use him, and Michael Sarah is the guy who's in, he's a kid super bad, and he was George Michael on Arrested Development, and he was in Juno. Uh, if they don't get him, it has to be a complete unknown. Because yeah. it's just, you can't put some, you know, some, from Dick from Hannah Montana on there. You know what I mean? It's gotta be him or somebody that has no, uh, that, you know, that has no sort of preconceived notions built up around him. Um, so they've tried to make that into a movie a few different times. This is, I think, the third pass of the script. And at one point, they were trying to make an HBO series out of it. At one point, MTV had a pilot made, which they never even aired. So it it might turn out to be one of those things that is just unfilmable, but it seems like if it's going to get made, this is this is the best chance it has. Excellent. Best show right. ever. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, coming up later on, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. I just bit my tongue again. <laughs> I got some sort of thing going on. Uh, now you get to bite it three more times. That's usually the way that works. So can I just do it now and get it sure, over with? Over. Right. Ow! Ow! I'm sorry, that sounds even dumber than it did in my head. <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> Humor and comedy. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson radio program. How about this, Rick? My suggestion. Top five songs made famous as covers. That's not bad. I can see that. Top five songs that became famous via their cover versions. I can think of two right now. Are you thinking of the same two? Well, how are we going <laughs> to do that? I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, okay. That one. What's the other one? Um... I don't know. I can't think of another one. That okay, was the, the, only one okay. I'm not. I wasn't thinking of that one. So that's three right there because I thought of two. 
All right. Maybe there's something there. That's from Philip. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen at the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Figaro's Pizza is taking over Pizza Schmitza. Uh Figaro's has uh, acquired the Hillsborough-based 31-store chain... Pizza Schmitza began considering a sale after the company's CEO, Doug Wetter, felt ill. Uh, Figaro's has 100 stores and plans to have more on the way. They specialize in take-and-bake pizzas. Now, where I was just going to ask, I'm sure they're a fine business, but I don't think I even really know what Figaro's Pizza is. Where is that I at? don't either. It says they have 100 stores. In Oregon or just in general? It doesn't say that. I thought it was a, a chain with that little mustachioed, um, like, cartoon face guy. Well, well, Do not dip a delivery boy. It says Figaro's is based in Salem. I don't think I've ever seen a Figaro's pizza. No. I've I seen mean, plenty of pizza schmitzas. Is it a suburban thing, do you think? Maybe, but I've never seen one out where I live. Because the pizza, cause pizza schmitza, uh, which, you know, which has a decent pie, as they say, that's a, uh, that, that is mainly a city thing. I think the schmitza stores yeah. are here in Portland. I don't, yeah, I've never seen. No, I've never seen that either. I've never seen that. So, well, but that would make sense, though, that if Figaro's is largely in the suburbs and if pizza schmitza is largely in the city, by buying pizza schmitza, they immediately get you know, they, they double their exposure, basically. They they immediately get control of both types of, of you know, of locale. All right. It well, says Figueroa has 21 stores, so they don't have as many. All right. But who knows if, if they're going to change the way they do business. All right. So well, we'll find out. That's well, Pizza Schmitz is sort of, uh, you know, they, they've carved out a niche, certainly. They do have... Uh, they they were kind of becoming sort of the Starbucks of Portland. That, that's what they planned on doing. Yeah, because you know, opening up another one every few months, and that's what they were doing. And uh, yeah, you'd go like every couple of blocks, you would see one, and they had very uh, consistent marketing and imaging and whatever. So well, good for them, excellent. That's the so. American way: grow a company and somebody buy it. Yep. A woman who was angry after losing her parental rights is accused of throwing a Molotov cocktail through the window of the Gresham office of the Department of Human Services. Well That'll done. get her kids back. Employees found the broken window, an unlit Molotov cocktail, oh, more than one, at the building at Northwest Division. Uh, no fire was ignited. They say they've been getting threats from 27-year-old Marlene Chenette. Officers later charged Chenette and 32-year-old Christopher Coopersmith with attempted arson. Uh, she was arrested this morning. Oh, this is bad. A cruise ship caught fire in the Columbia early this morning. Everybody on board evacuated. The Queen of the West had a fire in the engine room. Three crew members were treated at the scene for smoke inhalation. A fourth, treated by paramedics, he got cold and wet while he was dousing the flames. So uh, the crew members were able to get out before it spread to the vessel. What about the passengers? Well, they left. No, the passengers get out by the tugboat. A tugboat pushed the ship to the riverbank around 5 this morning, and buses were arranged to pick up the passengers and crew. 124 were aboard, 53 crew members. This is a 230-foot paddle boat ship. You ever seen it before? The Queen of the West sent out an SOS to the Coast Guard at 12.30 this morning when it was near the Dalles. Yes. A tugboat later tied up its barges and took the ship to Mary Hill State Park near Goldendale. So, uh, I guess everybody's okay. Yeah, these stories happen just often enough to make me apprehensive about ever going on any kind of boat trip. Uh, Lara occasionally says, we ought to go on a cruise to somewhere. And I just, like, she went on a cruise to the Caribbean at one point. I think she went to Jamaica or something. Some... I don't know. Jamaica's so, a horrible place. I, I don't think she stayed there. I think it was like, I think they spent one day. Um, and uh, I think I, 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 it might have been, a, are, there, are there other places near Jamaica? Yes, there are islands and Caribbean places. Jamaica's an island, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there's a whole bunch of like a whole chain of islands or whatever. But it was like some cruise where you, you spent like one day each 
at, at like nine different islands or some mm-hmm. crap. And anyway, so she's been, you know, she's like, we really got to do that. I think you'd like it. And every time I start, because I'm not a big fan of the water, and every time I, I start to consider doing something like that, one of these stories happened. You know, happens where it ends with, you know, and passengers were forced to jump onto a nearby iceberg and wait several weeks to be rescued. And I just, and, you know, that ho- kind of holds me. That sort of puts me off the whole thing for uh, for several months. Then they dump you off in these poor islands where people are selling trunken heads. And... <laughs> where the last the last group of tourists are just a pile of bones in the corner. Yeah. Corpses with their tongues hanging out. <laughs> uh, let's see here. This is an interesting story. This comes to us from uh, Beaverton. When a petite 24-year-old Beaverton lady got out of the shower, wrapped in the towel, sat down on her bed, putting lotion on her legs, as women will do, she realized the man was staring at her from her closet wearing a lacy negligee with fishnet stockings, Fantastic. a miniskirt, a sheer white blouse, and a very becoming long brown wig. Now, do these things all, were these items of clothing hers, do you suppose? Well, let's see here. She stared back, screamed twice, not once, and ran to another room and called police. The man ran uh, from the ground floor apartment without saying a word. She saw him again about a year later in Washington County in a courtroom. So this guy had an explanation, and the judge bought it. Uh, let's see here. Apparently, uh, after nine months, the woman wor- worried that the man might return. She told police they had a suspect that had matched the DNA found on a meth pipe that he dropped in her closet that night. So in December, they arrested Eric Trenton Kincaid of Aloha. He's 29, charged with burglary. Attempted a sexual abuse and invasion of personal privacy. Turns out he was high on methamphetamine. He went to that Beaverton apartment complex where he'd been invited for an intimate encounter with a woman he barely knew. But when he saw the woman sitting on her bed, he realized he was in the wrong apartment. Uh, so he went there to surprise her. Oh, I see. So this is one of those one of those wacky stories where it's an apartment building where all the places look the same. Yes. And it was some sort of a come surprise right. me in my in my closet wearing my own negligee. And it I was the wrong place. mistake. <laughs> That's okay. That, I did not expect that story to turn out that way. Mm-hmm. I expected it to be that it was some girl from work and he was fantasizing about chopping up her hair and uh-huh. making a voodoo doll out right. of it. Okay. So he was as surprised as she was. Kincaid told the jurors he wasn't proud of his drug behavior, but at the time he was uh, having sex with a lot of people he didn't know. <laughs> well, who can blame him? He said he turned the doorknob to what he thought was the right apartment and it opened. So the first thing is, if you're taking a shower, lock the door. Seriously. Remember Psycho? Uh, King Katie said he heard the shower running and sat down on the bed, then decided to hide in the closet because uh, he felt that demons were after him. Uh, The public defender told jurors they looked at each other like a couple of scared rabbits. He was confused, and she testified he did look confused. Uh, investigators couldn't find the friend that Kincaid knew only as Kate, uh, who uh, lived in the building. All right. So well, she probably gave a phony and, name, too. And now that's the thing. And, you know, and Kate was probably sitting there the entire night waiting for the... Where weird, is he? Where is he? Waiting for the guy to show up in pumps and, you know, and, and stockings to ravish her. All right. Well, and Kate's probably thinking this always happens to be online. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Stood up again. Men. All right. That's a comedy of errors is what that is. It is. All right. So we can all laugh because nobody gets hurt. And it was all in good fun. Uh, This isn't so funny. An Oregon doctor in critical condition after his legs were crushed in an accident when he was loading his baggage into his SUV at PDX. Dr. Joel Hopkins of Salem was injured when the car car came up behind him and struck him, pinning him up against the car when he was loading his truck. Uh, an elderly couple from the coop had something to pick up a passenger when the car got out of control, lurching forward, triggering the weekend accident. Have they inevitably blamed a stuck accelerator for I'm this? I'm sure it is. They're not mentioning it, though. He's a 39-year-old 
and he's a surgeon and professor at OHSU. He also has a private practice in Salem and Albany. No charges ex- expected. Yeah, there was a, there was some story like that in Northwest or Northeast a while back where a woman was feeding the meter. She was getting something out of the trunk of her car, and some some guy came into the parking space behind her and didn't stop and like you know, pinned her right between the two cars. And that's one of those things where you, I, I mean, it's awful, but but there's really nothing you can do. That that it happens so fast. Yeah, I mean, you can't really do there's, anything there's to prevent that. There's that's that is just where the fickle finger of fate decides to f you right, right there for no real readily apparent reason. Be on the lookout for the toilet burner. The OSP is. They're searching for an arsonist who burned two public toilets at the Capitol Mall in Salem, causing more than fifteen thousand dollars in damage. The police have asked the public to step forward with any information that could help them. Anyway, uh, nobody was hurt. I guess there was nobody in there. The damage of the two toilets is estimated at $50,000. A family walking by saw black smoke and flames call Salem uh, Fire Department as they walked by the toilet at the north end of the mall. It suffered the worst damage imaginable. The plastic melted down. Flames scorched the glass-enclosed entryway of the parking garage below. About 45 minutes after the first fire, a second toilet was torched. City firefighters quickly saved that structure, but the damage is done. Now the mall in Salem is without a functional toilet, so make sure you go before you leave. It's horrible. I've worked here for years. I've never seen anything so bad. It's childish and crazy. There's no reason to do anything like this. It just cost the taxpayers money. About 50 people were shopping at the mall when it happened. Uh, Let's see. We uh, continue to get... So we're looking for suggestions for the top five uh, that we're going to be doing later on today. So the, the deal is we're looking... Now we got the top five songs made famous through cover versions. Somebody suggested the top five... Uh, cartoon theme songs, and somebody else had suggested uh, top five songs that Richie would strip to were he a male exotic dancer, which he apparently is. And he might be. I mean, we don't know that. I really don't know. It could be like a Varsity Blues thing where somebody just stops in to, to take a gander at the gents, and there's Richie Bristol on stage shaking his tackle. So uh, we have also had this suggested top five songs you wouldn't want played at your funeral. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, top five songs about... Top five songs with some kind of illness in the title. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? What other suggestions do we have here? Um, uh, let's see. We have, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, top five. Um, yeah, top five songs made famous as covers. Let's see. What else do we have? Nah, that's pretty much it. So uh, the goal is to try to get one of those by 1230. By 1230 today, uh, and this is all because we couldn't really come up with anything this morning. So by 1230 today, we wish to have the top five theme decided on. And then we will have about 90 minutes to assemble it and get it ready to go uh, at 2 o'clock. Is that possible? I don't know, Tim. I guess we'll find out. This will be like uh, kind of like an old-fashioned cliffhanger. This, it, it'll be like that show where they have to... Uh, wait, be, what's oh, that? O'clock. What's, or, or what's that show where they have to like make a wedding cake and, you know, and get it to the... Uh, isn't there some show when there was reality? One of those like food network reality shows where they have to make a wedding cake and then get it to the wedding or something all within like five hours. You know what I'm talking about? No, I never watched it. It's called that Take program. the Cake or Take the Cake. No. Cake Tastic. It's on like TLC. No, it's it's on the Food Network and it's always on when I'm looking for that Anthony Bourdain show. It's like when I'm flipping around, when I'm tuning on trying to find Dave Zimmerman eating uh or whoever that guy's name is. Who's the guy that does host bizarre foods? What are you eating? Well, I'm just eating cow brain gelatin or whatever. So I'm always on the phone? I'm always <laughs> looking for that show and I tune in and it's always at the end of the wedding cake show. And it's like in the final segment where, it, you know, Jeanette has only got five minutes to get the cake to the church on the Cumberland Road. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, I just have a story to share with Tim Riley. Um, and stop me if I've told this before. Um, but a mistaken wrong address. Um, I know the person that this happened to. 
um, the guy shows up to demolish a house, a bathroom in the house, and um, uh, he says, go to this address, the door's unlocked, the owner's gone, have everything tore out by, like, whatever, lunchtime. Um, and uh, the guy gets the address wrong. And uh, he walks up to the house, door wasn't locked. So he goes right inside of the place. The owner comes home, five, six, whatever it is, and is just screaming bloody murder, calling the police. You know, it, this is almost like one of those pranks that you do, do on Craigslist, except it just was wrong address. And because the guy had his, uh, you know, because the guy, <laughs> he didn't lock his front door, you know, it's just. Yes, I heard that one before. <laughs> I was waiting to see if you would follow it up with that comment. All right, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the show is called Ace of Cakes, and it's on the Food Network. And it's some sort of... Because the Food Network has really carved out uh, you know, a, a real niche. It's not just food, but it's a specific kind of food show. And the Food Network is... There are only three kinds of shows on the Food Network. There is, as I've talked about before, cooking shows or, like, food shows for dudes where it's a whole lot of, like, how to make things out of, like, beer and bacon. Uh, there is a show where somebody travels across the country eating weird crap from roadside diners. Or there's some sort of a contesting show. And so there's Ace of Cakes. There's another one called, um, I don't know, it's like, it's like a cook-off show. Where, where it's not, like, really the Iron Chef as such, but it's where they give you a style of food. And then you got, like, two hours to come up with some interesting way in which to prepare it. So Ace of Cakes is the one I'm thinking of. Also, to the guy who called earlier and was talking about uh, Youth and Revolt uh, by C.D. Payne and was asking about what to follow it up with. He's like, I've read Youth and Revolt. What should I read now that's sort of funny? Somebody had suggested, this guy says, tell him to read High Fidelity. Uh, it's funnier than the very funny movie. It's not exactly the same as Youth and Revolt, but it's amusing nonetheless. I would agree with that. Uh, High Fidelity is a pretty fantastic book. It is very funny as well. Um, all right, and so forth. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, uh, speaking of television, let the lawsuits begin. Project Runway will move from Bravo to Lifetime. They just came out with that today. So all the lawyers are going to be uh, huddling together because uh, Project Runway is like the highest rated show on Bravo. So apparently the next season will uh, be moving to Lifetime. Now, is that, I don't even know who owns who owns Bravo. NBC. And who owns Lifetime? Some chicks. <laughs> Some real ambitious dames. <laughs> A flock of ladies. Some chicks. That's ladies who do lunch. <laughs> That's fantastic. I would imagine so. Is that television for women? I do love me some Lifetime. Well, I don't like any of the like the programs that they have on there. It's like the movies. You like Project Runway? I've never seen Project Runway. Really? Mm-mm. Everybody's seen Project Runway. So you don't get any of my uh, make it work, resolve the skirt jokes, do you? No. How sad it's that I'm... polite. And how sad, <laughs> like everybody, when I say something that I think is funny, you just smile and nod, completely not caring or knowing. Um, well, how sad and kind of weird is that that I know more about Project Runway than you do? That seems wrong on some level. Uh, no, Project Runway is... It is a... Uh, what I know about it, but it's a reality show where you're competing... Uh, to design basically from scratch an outfit, a dress, a piece of clothing, or whatever. Uh, and then there's this sort of Mr. Blackwell guy who comes in and, you know, That's like. Tim. And, uh, is yeah. this naughty looking guy with the glasses? And yeah. All... yeah, and at okay, various points. And Heidi Klum's on there, too. And in various, at various points of the designing and creating of it, he comes in and he'll either tell you it looks good or he'll tell you it's crap or he'll. But his tagline is just to, uh, his thing is, make it work. Uh, but I caught him one day saying, resolve the skirt, because there was some woman who was making. She was trying to make a wedding dress, and she was doing some weird thing where it was, like, made out of, like, 
it was like lace, but then like made out of denim, and then it was like some weird plaid section. Like she was trying to be kind of unconventional, and it just looked retarded. It looked bad. Uh, and the guy came in. I really don't know why I'm talking about this, but the guy came in. I guess because it's in the news. Uh, it is relatable. So the guy came in. And she's building this weird wedding dress thing, and it's like half denim vest, half like lacy skirt. And he was pointing out that really the two things didn't go well together. And he goes, my words to you today are this, resolve the skirt, which struck me as so fantastic and ludicrous that it, it like immediately became part of my lexicon. So if you ever hear me say resolve, resolve the skirt, the skirt. It, it, resolve the skirt, it's from Project Runway. So this will be a five-year deal, and along with the show go Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn, but not Michael Kors and Nina Garcia. So there you go. It's all very exciting. So that's that. So uh, needless to say, NBC is going to sue. From the news mailbag, I live out in the boring sandy area. Or is that sandy boring area? Outer, this is outer southeast Portland. When I was uh, outside, getting into my car this morning, I noticed a strong odor of chlorine in the morning air. <laughs> I drove to the Mount Tabor area, then caught the number 14 Hawthorne bus to downtown. When I got off the bus downtown, I noticed a small... Smell of chlorine again. Hmm. Could this be his own clothing? I was just going to say, per perhaps, sir, maybe the problem... And I went into the bathroom and I still smell chlorine. <laughs> it seems to be following me. I cannot explain. Please help. So, is that the extent of the email? That is. So, I passed it along to uh, the K2 people to look into. That this guy reeks of chlorine for some reason. Yes. Uh, maybe you should not clean your, uh, you know, your shoes or whatever with Comet, sir. Maybe that'll, uh, maybe that'll solve the issue for you. Glad we could help. Oh, I hate it when these things happen. WAMU, which is really the only good bank left, is going to lay off another 3,000 people. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why. I mean, uh... well, it, it, it'll lose $1.1 billion during the first quarter and take a loss in loans for $3.5 billion, $1.5 billion more than previously expected. Wall Street is forecasting a loss of $344.3 million. Okay, the weird thing about banks laying people off is, uh, and to me, I'm not going to ask like how it is the Where banks... Where do they work? Well, that was going to be my question, is who are these people? Uh, because it seems like whether a bank is doing well or doing poorly, the amount of work doesn't change. Although, I guess you could say that about any industry. Yeah. I mean, but, it's, but, but a bank isn't like a radio station where you can just automate everything. Uh, you know, if you, if you have a radio station wants to run leanly, if you want to do a little bit of streamlining and belt tightening, uh, you just get some computer to intro your Rick Astley songs, and, the, and then you're good. Uh, with, at a bank, though... It seems like, well, you can't fire tellers probably, because that's gonna be, that's immediately gonna impact your customer service. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you could outsource stuff. Maybe I, does it when you call the Washington Mutual, um, like the customer helpline? Is that a, is that you talk to somebody from from America, Tim, or do you talk to somebody elsewhere? I don't think I've ever I don't think I've well, ever I, noticed. I can do all my transactions on the phone because well, I, I just do basic things. Well, see, and so maybe uh, and and maybe that's no, it too. You can talk to people. I have before. So do you suppose? But are they people here? or Do you suppose they're people in like Bangladesh? They sound American to me. Well, see, maybe that's going to change. Maybe that's how they. Maybe that's where they make those cuts. Is they start sticking more of uh, of their. Uh, you know, the customer service into, you know, some overseas call bank mm -hmm. or trying to get you to do. Have you ever done this? You ever called uh, like a bank or a place like that? And they clearly have just fired the department of people that would help you on the phone. But they try to cover their tracks by saying, uh, you know, in order to provide you round the clock, 24 hour efficiency, our website is now the preferred method for finding this information. And really, they just fired I the person. I just had that happen to me. Where at? You want to say? I probably should have. Okay. Uh, was it your insurance company? You're not going to say. Okay. Um, and so you call up, 
And, yeah, they've obviously just sacked the person who normally would have been there answering your question, but they try to make it seem like they're really doing you a favor by shoving you towards a website that's open 24 hours a day for all of your customer service needs. All right. Well, there you go. So there's uh, there's that. Uh, Rick, I think we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Rick, how about the top five songs sung in falsetto? Now, that's a terrible idea. We're not going to do that. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, let's see. Top five songs to play at a wake. Also a bad idea. Uh, depressing. I, you, 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 let's see. Now we've got, I think I think we really, we're going to have to pick something from the existing suggestions. We'll do like, uh, I don't know, a couple more calls on it and then we'll, uh, let's see. Um, uh, top five, top five, I can't even read this. I'm turning it to Tim. The font is actually too small. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, this is Steve. What should our top five be today? Well, it's not a it's not a music top five, but a TV top five. You on Yahoo, you can go on and create your own radio station, and have other people listen to it. Well, if you could do that with a TV station, and it was your own personal one, and you could only fill it with your your top five go to shows, what are they? I don't understand. This seems like a long a long introduction. You were saying what what would my top five TV recommendations be to the public at large? Mm, not so much. <laughs> Maybe no, I'm because, misunderstanding no, the theme. I mean, you're, you're right to a point, but uh, what if you could create it so other people could watch it? I know you're saying top recommendations. I guess that's kind of true. But hold, um, on, hold on one second. Raise your hand if you know what this guy's talking about. No, I don't. Wait, are I don't. The, the shows that we like the best? Yes, that you'd recommend if you could only have five TV shows on your own personal channel. That would be your go-to channel. So what is my top five TV recommendations? What are your top five? <laughs> okay, thanks for calling. Yeah, anytime. All right, bye. Okay. Well, okay. Really, one way or the other, this will be over 1230. We'll have to come up with something. All right, so we have three minutes. So the, the question that we are trying to get answered is, it, it, I remember when I thought this was a great idea, like at about 10 minutes to 11, and I'm like, oh, no, this is a great idea. We don't have a top five prepared. We'll have the audience come up with something, and then we'll give ourselves 90 minutes to do it. That seemed... Like really what were the ones that we liked so far? Do you know? Um, top five cartoon theme songs. Uh. Top five songs Richie would strip to. Top five uh, songs that became famous via their cover versions. I like that one. I, I think that is a really good top five. I like that one because I can immediately come up with three of the six songs. And plus they're all good songs. So. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Just a, a little piece of advice. I was talking to a friend the other night who had to call customer service for her cell phone and went through hours of, of conversation from someone from another far-off land. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, later, when she went into the actual store uh, to talk about her cell phone, cell phone, they recommended that she call. Whenever you call in, press the option to uh, to speak to someone in Spanish, because then you'll get a bilingual American. Is that true? Yeah. So when you call up and they say, uh, press one for English, blah, 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 dos in Espanol, if you press that, they give you an American who can speak Spanish. Yeah. That's a fantastic idea. And then what do you do? Do you just feign ignorance? You go, oh, I'm sorry, I meant to, yeah, I meant to press English, but I guess since we're here, uh, can you help me? Yeah, I mean, it's customer service. They're not going to hang up on you because you're not Spanish. Okay, you know what? Or you can say you're, you're trying to polish up on your Spanish. That's a great idea, too. You can do that. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Or, no, 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 the, but the other way. No, the other way could be this. How about this? You, uh, I just saw Tim waving at invisible insects again. That was the <laughs> dust in here. <laughs> we were just outside a bar store when Tim began to wave at invisible specks of dust. Um, the, uh, 
Okay, but how about this? You could also do this. This way they would be afraid to be rude to you. You call up. They say, press 1 for English or press 2 for Espanol. You press 2. Then when the person answers and they say, you know, hola, como esta, blah, da da, you know, whatever, can I be of assistance, blah, 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 Spanish, 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 you say, you could say, well, I, I'm, I'm polishing my English, so I'm pressing this button because I'm trying to work on my English, you'll be, yeah, I guess that would require feigning some sort of a Spanish accent, and that would just yeah. feel weird, though, probably. You <laughs> and, can do it with practice. <laughs> Hello, I am practicing my English. I, don't, I can't even do a Spanish accent. I don't even know what a Spanish accent sounds like. So, all right. Well, in any event, if you press two, though, you're saying you get a bilingual American. Yes. Fantastic. That's a great suggestion. What's your name, sir? Uh, my name's Jimmy. All right. Thank you, my friend. You call us anytime. Oh, thank you. I will. Thank you. That's, I'm going to do that today. I don't even need customer assistance, but I'm going to do that today. I'm going to write it down. Note to self. I'm going to try that today. Let everybody know how it works. Uh, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Okay, pasta, amigo. Hello. What's up? Hey, uh, top five suggestion? Yes. Uh, top five hidden tracks. Such as? Uh, I, hidden tracks, the ones at the end of the CD, I don't know. I know um, what a hidden track is, but I'm saying, can you think of five off the top of your I can think of two right now. Really? Um, I can think of the Nirvana mm -hmm. one. And I can think of uh, Nirvana, the hidden track of Green Day Dookie, and then there's also uh, the Alanis yeah. Morissette one off of Jagged Little Pill. Oh, see, I didn't one. know there was an Alanis Morissette. How about uh, an Robot? Ozzy. Robot with Jack Black singing. All right, now there's that, and I can think there's an Aussie one. Aussie, there's now, White Zombies, there's um, Queens of the Stone Age. All right, that might not be a home. thing we're able to do today, though. That might be a thing that re that might require an additional day because I think it would require having the CDs, though. Well, sorry, I failed you, Rick. <laughs> there's no need to there's no need to be snippy and blame yourself, sir. I'm saying A for ambition. Uh, I'll, I'll, but, I'll but as far as executability, that's probably a thing that we'd have to do later on. But we might do that like maybe tomorrow or Thursday, though. Right on, buddy. All right, I like the idea, though. Thank you, sir. Later. All right, one more. Still coming up today, we got to announce the Roastmaster for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. Uh, by the way, we still need a name for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. So once we're done with this supremely ill-advised top five thing, uh, we do need a, a name for the next listener party as well. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Final top five suggestion. Hi, uh, I wanted to suggest uh, top five radio jingles since Tim knows everything. What do you mean the top five? Do you mean uh, top five jingles from like Gary? restaurants and crap, you know, the really awful radio commercials that you guys oh, have. Oh, top five commercial jingles. Uh, okay, so top five, top five jingles uh, used to pitch or promote or sell a product. Yes, sir. All right, excellent. Good idea. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. All right. I don't know everything. The nominations, Tim, don't doubt yourself. Uh, oh, by the way, I found out that we don't have a reel-to-reel -reel here. Uh, I was asking Joe Cassavetti, who's our production director. There is no reel-to-reel -reel in this building. There is one, however, at the Coin Tower. So um, I'm going to uh, skedaddle over there tonight, and oh, I'm going uh, to dub off my commercial demo reel uh, into the system so that tomorrow uh, you may hear awful and embarrassing commercials from yesteryear. Yeah. Uh, Do we get to hear some of Tim's, too? Uh, well, we've already. The thing is, we we've already, already play played by. some of Tim's, which is why I feel like I have to play mine. I feel bad that we played your Mall 205 one, and we played the one where Tim is an Eskimo. You lost that, right? No, I still have that. Uh, and we've got we played the one where Tim is an Eskimo, uh, but uh, but we've never played any of mine, and so I have probably 60 of them at least. I mean, for, there was a time when I saved every commercial that I did. Uh, so at at some point we'll um. We'll we'll play those maybe tomorrow. 
All right. Uh, well, let's take a break here. We'll come back uh, around the corner. We'll get to work on the top five. We'll announce the Roastmaster for Listener Party 11. More from Tim Riley. Jim Roop coming up later on today. It's the worst song you've ever heard and more. Stay there. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for uh, coming along. All right, so I think we've decided on this. So coming up later in the day, we will be doing the top five songs made famous via cover versions. And that will be coming up, I don't know, around 2 o'clock or so. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop uh, will be joining us. Uh, We'll also unveil the Roastmaster for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11, still unnamed. Uh, the Rick Emerson Listener Party 11 happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. Uh, at the Crystal Ballroom. This is Tim Riley. Well, speaking of old radio, I thought the fabulous sports babe was dead. See, you've been saying for like a year and a half that she was dead. And now it says that she's back. Well, maybe she's from a, the dead. a zombie sports babe. So she's joining WHBO Tampa's co-host that, <laughs> for that, the afternoon sports show from 3 to 6, that, Brentley and the Babe. That would indicate that she is still alive. <laughs> Everybody else in the industry says she's dead. Let me ask you this. She's the first and only woman to host a national sports talk show, but she's been off the air since 2001. So let me let me ask you, Sid, so from where did you get the idea that she was dead? Where did this information originally come from? From, uh... Blame somebody else. Come on. No, no. <laughs> Say from, from, from somebody back east who does the same, who uh, keeps track of all the radio news back there, uh-huh. as do people here. So he fed me that information. See, I'm a fan of the sports babe. She's dead. Yeah. And you just, and of course, as we always do. And everybody back there said she's dead, too. <laughs> I'm trying to, I mean, I can understand it, maybe, you know, you're not on the radio for a while, or you, you, you've got other things going on, or maybe you've taken time off or a sabbatical. That's quite a leap to say, though, that you're dead. Right. <laughs> and that nobody bothered to check it up or verify it. No. Or that, or that, or that, or <laughs> or that you no, thought she was dead and there was apparently no contradictory information available. From three other people who also <laughs> said that she was dead, who are like, you know, Craig back east. Right, yeah. Who, who, keep, who run all these boards, who have been saying that she's been dead for several years. And that nobody, <laughs> that she had, I guess at that point, so little profile that over three years, there can be hundreds of observations about her death that were contradicted yes. by no one. Right. Okay, that's pretty great. Before, now, I'm sorry. Now, before we actually just become incredibly tasteless, are we sure that she really is alive now? Are we sure she's not it dead? Says, the, the fabulous sports babe, and they even have her real name, which is Nancy Dana. I know that because I went to school with her. Are you reading this from Wikipedia? No, I'm reading this from R&R. All right. So how could they be wrong? So I know that's her real name. Because I went to school with her, and she interned at the same station as I did at the same time, which is 30 years ago. I'm looking up Fabulous Sports Babe uh, in Wikipedia right now. Mm-hmm. I, just, I want to make sure that this, this doesn't become like a thing inside a thing right now after all this. No, no, no. She really is dead. Uh, it says here she's back. <laughs> well, is this somebody claiming to be the Fabulous Sports Babe? Was this, was this after Peter and, uh, and Paul went and rolled the stone away? 
I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Nancy Donnellan, best known by the title Fabulous Sports Babe. Mm-hmm. This isn't a good start. Was a sports radio broadcaster, okay. syndicated nationally on ESPN and the defunct sports fan radio network. Right, it until, went out of business. Until 2001, and blah, blah, blah. She curr- Ah, here we go. Uh, she currently resides at her Gulfport, Florida home in Pinellas County. She was a season ticket holder for the Tampa uh, Tampa Bay Devil Rays and can be seen at Tropicana Field from time to time. Ah, here we go. I think this may be uh, the source of the misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. She recently recovered from a bout with cancer. Yeah, it, it says here she was diagnosed in 1998. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the Babe returned to radio in 2007, making single-day special guest host appearances for on-air personalities in the Tampa Bay uh, sports radio market. During her on-air appearances, uh, she returned to form and kept the conversation focused on sports and deferred any questions about her personal life by saying, quote, I'm just hanging out. Uh, so, all right. And she will be returning to the air soon on WRBZ in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, it says here, WHBO in Tampa. <laughs> So are we who, sure am I, they, who am I to believe here? Are we, are we sure that she didn't really die and they're not cloning her or something? If this claims, uh, yeah, she will be on the air soon. Raleigh, North Carolina, WRBZ. I mean, I guess technically, I guess theoretically it could be syndicated or yeah. something, maybe. Mm. Uh, let's go to her website, shall we? She uh, has one. Going to sportsbabe.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, to sportsbabe.com. And, and it, it's funny... Before this, nobody even bothered to check whether or not she had a website because everybody believed we thought she was dead. So, I'm sorry, sports babe. So the counter is probably zero. (laughs) You have zero guests (laughs) since 2001. Uh, According to Wikipedia, this website, and I'm looking at it now, has been unchanged for seven years. Uh, The website, this is apparently, uh, so I guess she retired maybe when she had the cancer. so this is this is her website, and it's funny actually. Okay, now I've never talked about this, but this, but this is actually sort of what I had always sometimes in my head. I was talking yesterday about how fantasy is the wrong word, but you know you, you have sort of daydreams sometimes. I have in my you head. You fantasize about the fabulous sports babe. <laughs> I'm sure it goes both ways there, Tim. Um, no, she didn't. Uh, the uh, I'm. I'm saying I don't know that I'd be her oh, idea of. Uh, yeah. I'm saying I don't know that I'd be her idea of a fantasy. Moving on, uh, the, no, but I, but I, I've thought about you know like it, you know if you ever just decide to close up shop, if you, if you ever just decide to close up shop and vanish into the ether, if I you know if I win the five billion dollar Powerball or whatever tomorrow and decide just to move to some you know some some island and set up my own fiefdom, um, what would I do? And I always figured that I would just, you know, put just to put a big picture of the palm tree on my website with a line like, I'm gone. See you later. Bye. Uh, and this is apparently what she did. She has on her website, it is sort of a black and white snapshot of what her website looked like, uh, I guess, on its last day as a live site. And then there's just a big wooden sign, like animated, hung up that just says, gone fishing, which is, I guess, her retirement sign. Mm-hmm. And apparently the website has been this way since 2001. So since, for the last seven years, her website has just been black and white, sort of frozen, with a gone fishing sign in the front. Uh, huh. so I, I guess that's what she put up when she quit or died, depending on, depending on who one listens to. <laughs> and by the way, thanks for, as soon as I made that observation about fantasizing about her, thanks for showing me that one, that one publicity photo that she's been using forever. 
Always remember, look straight up at the camera. Be filmed from the ceiling and look straight up. <laughs> we used to play street hockey. You see, I, it's, that is surprising not at all, Tim. Uh, I think we all know what that means, too, when you see that on the MySpace, uh, where it's somebody, often and not always women, where it's the... There are several kinds of photographs that one sees. One is where it's just a really tight shot of the face, where it's just from, like, just above the chin to... Tight just... shot, high contrast? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm a form of band called that. Um, where it's just a shot, basically, of the face, but not. But, but you don't get to see the ears uh, or anything below the chin. No, or else there's a lot of hair hanging in the face, so you can't really tell how big it is. Exactly. The size of the face can't really be discerned. Uh, or there's this. There's the... Uh, I am looking straight up at the camera, which is basically at the ceiling, looking down at me. You know what I mean? Have you ever see that shot? Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Where it is. It's not well, just the classic space shot. It's not just taking at arm's length, but it's taking at arm's length, looking up. And the, you're looking up, kind of beckoningly, like what? Exactly, beckoningly, and also to like, uh, also to stretch out the waddle so it's less visible. Yeah. I only know that because I do that too. Now some of my friends and I did that before. <laughs> we had we had the cliche MySpace pictures, totally. but you have to do the. Up at an angle. So this just in, fabulous sports, babe. Uh, not dead. I'm never going to believe these people. I'm never going to believe these people back east I, again. I feel bad that we've been peddling misinformation. All Wait, the are time. we absolutely sure that she's not dead? Absolutely. Well, I, Wikipedia says she's alive and will be coming back to. Although to be fair, they say she's coming back to a different radio station. But uh -huh. I guess I guess only time will tell. Maybe this is part of her viral marketing campaign. <laughs> just, just letting people believe she's dead for three and a half years. It's gonna come to a head any My day now. My God, it's brilliant! All right, um, uh, you're uh, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Great show. Thank you. Uh, radio listener. I'm just gonna day. stop showing up for a few years and see what people say. Yes, huh? Uh, radio listener, radio uh, party day. I will be there, and I like the name Luza Palooza. Luza Palooza. How would you spell that, sir? Uh, kind of gangsta, you know, L-O-O-S-A. Luza Palooza. Yeah. Oh. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It would be L-O-S-A. <laughs> L-O-Losa Palooza. Well, you could put a bar above it for the Luza. I don't understand. So spell, spell the – maybe I'm not getting this again. <laughs> spell the name – Instead of loser. Yes. Loser. Okay. Here, here's the thing. Just spell the whole the whole word for me. Okay. L O. I guess you do L O O Z A. Mm-hmm. And P then P A L O O Z A. Loser Palooza. Yeah. Sarah, how do you feel about that name? Do you really want me to say? Yes. I think it's creative. <laughs> I think you're good at what you do, sir. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. Yeah. No, it's a terrible name. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Tim, sir. Hello. This is voice number two. Hello, hi. Hey, uh, since you're talking about sports talk show people, and you've mentioned before American Gladiators, yes, Scott Perrell. I have one of my ball carrier. One of my uh one of my treasured uh, possessions, truly, is a photograph uh, of me and Scott Farrell. Uh, when he was doing his show live from the Mirage in Vegas one night, um, there was a, uh, not to be all about shop talk, uh, but since we just spent 10 minutes trying to assess the life no, no, status, the, mor the mortality status of the fabulous sports, babe, <laughs> I'm dead. Um, <laughs> and huge. And huge. <laughs> and what's so great is that for years we've been saying it on the air. She's dead, you know. She's been dead forever. And not one person. 
ever thought to contradict or correct it or even had access to information to the contrary. Um, anyway. That's because Very it was telling. believed because the guy on <laughs> East Coast Radio told me so. Um, so, year, anyway, years ago, I went to Las Vegas with the guy who was doing mornings uh, at the time at the station. I was doing afternoons. He was doing mornings. My friend Todd. And we went to Vegas because there was a big thing where Westwood won. Uh, which is a radio network that syndicates a lot of people, like Lycus and Donna Mike. Uh, all the Westwood One hosts were doing their show from the Mirage for like three days. And it was Imus was there, and apparently was a big bastard to everybody, and demanded the biggest suite, and there was never spent any time there. Um, like usual. He demanded a suite, I, I kid you not, he demanded a suite with a swimming pool in it, <laughs> uh, which was, of course, never used. So he... Um, uh, anyway, so uh, there was Imus, and then I think I think Donna Mike. No, 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 no. I guess it wouldn't have been Donna Mike because they overlap with Lycus. I think they stayed in D.C. But Imus did his show. Lycus did his show live there at the Mirage, like right in the right outside the sports book. And then Pharrell did his show live there that night. And I was a huge Pharrell fan. And um, we were affiliates at our station in Salt Lake. We carried him. And so right. my friend Todd and I went there, and, and I, I said, Hey, you know, we, we're from your affiliate. Would it be cool if we kind of came and hung out and sort of watched you do the show? And so one of the great moments of my life was getting to – he was on stage in sort of a raised stage that sort of looked down onto the crowd, kind of like at our, one of our listener parties. And my friend Todd and I got to sit off sort of in the wings about 10 feet away from him for the whole show and just watched him do his show because he was really – one of a kind, and he's changed a lot. He doesn't really do the show he used to do, but he was really exceptional and a huge influence on me. So he's, yeah, well, you can tell. And you, yeah, you, you have a lot of pieces of a lot of people. He is, uh, and he's, he's really, he was really, really great. And afterward, so he's still on the air. Uh, I think he does some satellite thing, but I don't think anybody. I'm not going to say he's anybody, alive. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say that nobody listens surprise. to him. But he has, he has, um, he's lost. Uh, just, I'm speaking just for me now. Uh, for me. Uh, he kind of lost a lot of the things that made his show interesting to me. I think he, he, somebody, some consultant got a hold of him and told him he had to like tone everything down, and which is too bad because the yeah. sort of manic energy that guy had was really great. Anyway, so somewhere there is a photograph of me and my morning guy and Scott Farrell, uh, all just you know, all of us looking just cracked out of our minds uh, because it was kind of late at night. And he had just gotten off the air, so he was all wound up and we were all sweaty and whatever, staring at the camera and just you know, it was kind of a little moment of time. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that guy. Yeah. Hey, I want to, I want to mention to my delivery partners out there, by the way, thanks for mentioning us in the article. Oh yeah. But, delivery guys. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Most of us are big fans of yours, but we're also sports fans. So if you guys wake up at three in the morning, instead of watching the soft porn on HBO, turn on 970 because the overnight Fox show is hilarious. Fox sports radio network. Yeah, that's true. Good stuff. Yeah, I know yeah, we're no. supposed to hate Rupert Murdoch, but. This program is great. Thank you, my uh, friend. Steve Saban and, and uh, you know, I know the program director's a dick at KCMD, <laughs> but, yeah, but it is an excellent <laughs> choice, and I am looking so forward to the listener party, and I have challenged Richie to a weight loss contest. contest. You will almost certainly win that contest, sir. Well, it, we're, if we're, we're going to go by percentage, because I got him by about 80 pounds right now. Well, it's all, I was just going to say, it's all about the, it's all relative. All right, yeah. thank you, sir. You call us anytime. time. Uh, I'm small. I regret everything. All right, thank you. Deputy alive from Philadelphia. Wow, man, I I was. That's one of those. Uh, I am not uh, one of those radio guys who sits around and wants to trade air checks uh, of old radio stations with other radio guys. There's a lot of a lot of guys who do that, and Craig is one of those guys. Um, 
Whereas, you know, like, I've got this, I've got a great air check of WYSP, 1975. Uh, I am looking to trade uh, for any air checks of, uh, you know, of, of WTLA uh, from 1983 till 1986. I need these to complete my collection. And there's guys who trade old radio air checks. And I'm not knocking. It's just not my thing. Uh, the way that other guys uh, seek out, like, rare 45s or, or import singles. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, like those high-fidelity guys who are looking for, you know, you know, not the domestic, but the import. Not the regular vinyl, but the colored vinyl. Not just the regular colored vinyl, but the picture disc of the Morrissey Rare 12-inch that came out in 1989 on the Wax Tracks label, you know, or whatever. There are those guys in the world of radio, too, that just trade uh, old air checks of specific shows or hosts or stations. I'm not really one of those guys, um, <laughs> but I really would at some point love to get myself, uh, my hands on some of those uh, old uh, Scott Farrell air checks that he did for his syndicated show. Which really quite was quite unlike anything else I'd ever heard, and probably to this day still is, because I know he doesn't do that same show anymore. But uh, he was pretty fantastic. What right, was here. his name? Scott Farrell, spelled Farrell, F-E-R-R-A-L-L, I think. Hmm. Uh, but he did a, he did a program for Westwood One called Farrell on the Bench, and it was a sports talk show that came out of Los Angeles, and I think it aired 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. And you know me, I'm not much of a sports guy. Uh, it it was. It was so different and unique that actually, that I mean, I listened to it every single night because he it, it didn't sound, I mean, the fact that it was about sports, you know, was just sort of in, it was about sports the way that Charlie's Angels was about law enforcement, you know, which is to say that it was just sort of incidental. It was all about the tone and the style, and he had this really patented, raspy, back-of-the-throat delivery, uh, and just, I'm doing a terrible disservice to the show. Uh, and I know I'm probably not supposed to be sitting it's been 12 minutes talking about some other radio guy. Um, but it's a show that doesn't really exist anymore because the stuff he does now is just not anything like that. He he sort of grew or transitioned into a different style of radio host, uh, regrettably. But uh, but he was a, a really good uh, he was really good doing that kind of radio and was a, was a big influence on me. Um, but he would come on and here's here's a little fun fact. Uh, here's a little fun fact about this show. There is this sort of unspoken rule in radio that you are not supposed to use bumper music that has lyrics. Uh, all of your bumper music is supposed to be instrumental. Now, we follow that to some degree. When we come back from the breaks, you'll notice that when we return from the break, all of our music is just instrumental loops, a lot of hip-hop or electronic or whatever, but it, it's, it's all uh, instrumental. You will, however, notice when we go into breaks, we use uh, bumper music that has lyrics, and we talk over the lyrics sometimes, which you were not supposed to do. That was a thing that they just laid down from day one. They did never talk over lyrics. All your bump music must be instrumental. And I always thought that was the case, too, for, like, no reason. Uh, and then I heard Scott Farrell one night, and his gimmick, and I toyed with doing this once, like a decade ago, and we never did. His gimmick was, one of them, was that he had music, full songs, running underneath the entire show. Not just the opening segments. The entire show had a constant. If you just listen casually, it would sound like you were between stations or getting bleed over. Because from the very top of the show at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. until 1 a.m., he had three hours of constant, nonstop music. It's like some sort of a mixtape or whatever, just running in the background. And at slack moments, he would just fade off the microphone and pop the music up and just let it run for a while. And then he would come back in over the top of it. But there was a constant soundtrack running underneath, which was sort of a mind F when you first listened to it. But then it sort of added a lot to the energy of the show. Uh, so I so that is the reason why going into breaks we use bumper music with lyrics in it. It is because of Scott Farrell. So that's the one lasting impact that guy had on me. So there you go. End of shop talk. Here's Tim Riley. 
on KCMD Portland. Well, place busted an investment fraud scheme involving millions of dollars of merchandise, and now it's all going up for auction here in Portland. Uh, apparently, this is called a Ponzi scheme. It uh, fills an 80,000-square-foot warehouse with items ranging from microwaves to gas grills to cameras, business suits, car jacks, and even cement mixers. Their value is up to a million dollars. So it's a uh, three-day auction due to a court order. Everything must go. I want to... Uh, I want to... Form- ah, never mind. Do you want to know what kind of joke I was building toward there that I just pulled a ripcord on? No. You were talking about a Ponzi scheme? Blah, 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 blah. A Fonzi scheme. That's a, hey, it's the pawns. <laughs> See, that's funnier. That's actually... There were two, well, I was going to do that, were, but I, I just thought it was too juvenile. <laughs> not so, me. So, not, that was even worse. I, I figure I'm safe now. <laughs> As always, Tim, I am ready to step up and take the juvenility uh, baton and run with it. The pawns. Hey, it's the ponds. I, do you know what a downline is? Hey, it's the ponds here. Would you like to earn more money working just three hours a week at home? Would you? Do you have several friends that would like to do the same? And just to think, all the things I come up with, I never use. They're in that same category. Why? This could be a super program. I really myself. Yeah, no. No, really, Tim. If if we just put in more effort. It would be amazing how good this show could be. Jesus. Oh, God. All right. Um, what the hell am I doing here? I don't know. I have no idea either. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Yeah. How you doing? Hello. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm getting over uh, a respiratory virus. Okay. The key is to smoke heavily. Well, I can't because I have my Bruderol in one hand, my codeine syrup in the other, and you don't know. You don't want to know what other... Now I feel bad for even suggesting that laughingly. You you do sound as though you're getting a was it uh, was it gnarly? How long did you have it? Well, I went to Ireland. I had it a day before I left the U.S. Had it all during Dublin and Belfast. People were coming up to me and say, "Hey, black American woman, what's the plague? Do you want drugs?" <laughs> um, <laughs> what was the what was the first thing before you want drugs? Oh oh hey, black American woman, what's the plague? Oh, with the plague. You, I mean, they were so nice to me, even though I was coughing and. Oh, oh, you mean you mean uh, medical drugs, like some, like, like like prescription drugs. Yeah, like antibiotics. I thought you meant you were just being approached by people wanting to like to sell you narcotics of some kind. No, no. See, they heard me hacking and wheezing, and it was just not pretty. Thank you for bringing your American sickness to our country. I know. Now you decimate us. Go away. Yes. But um, I have a, I have a suggestion for the party. Yes. It's called Rick and Mort- Rick Amortis Rick... or Rick Emerson, the choice is yours. Okay, Rick Amortis, I kind of like that. That Now, I'm going to tell you right now, uh-huh. that's clever. That's, that might not work for this, but if at some point we decide to do like another Halloween thing, and we sort of sh- shied away from that the last couple of years, but if we do like a Halloween thing, Rick Amortis would really work. That might or That's actually really good. I'm going to write it down. Okay, Okay. Rick... the second caption to the Rick Amortis or Rick yes. Emerson was... Uh, Rick Amortis or Rick Emerson, choose your lubricant. Yeah, I might leave the lubrication part off of that, but, that, but that's okay. Uh, what else did you, what did you have today, Pam? Well, that's, well, I want, uh, Sarah, I wanted to say, girl, I know you don't have any insurance. I have no insurance either. That's why I was able to go to Ireland. But check this out. If you go to an urgent care clinic, you can go to Gateway, Providence Gateway or whatever, you you know you'll spend up maybe a hundred dollars. 
They'll give you medication so that while you're on your trip, you won't be sick. And just, uh, you know, to pretend you don't speak English. Well, that well, no, that don't help. But <laughs> but I say that because I was I was in believe it or not, they sent me like Dublin, Philadelphia, Las Vegas, Portland. I was on USA Air, mm-hmm. but I was like I couldn't even enjoy Las Vegas. I wanted to play the, the slot machines, but I was coughing and wheezing, and I had to run to catch. And then they made me take my shoes off. I was like I can't take my shoes off, and they said we don't care. And then I took my shoes off, and I had to run, and then I was vomiting, but I finally got the plane. Wow. I, I have to say that's the oh saddest God. that's the saddest worst thing I've ever heard. So so go to the urgent care clinic, get your get your medications because you never know what people are gonna offer you. All right, now we uh now uh, of course we hope you're gonna be better for uh, for the listener party, which is uh, May fifteenth. Oh yeah. I'm uh, I'm on a zitromycin, so I should be better in about three more days. Excellent. Well we hope to see you then. So uh, as always stay in touch and uh, and come up if we don't if we don't see you then be sure to come up and uh, and grab one of us while you're there. Hey if you see if you see a bald black woman with something over her face and hands, it's me. Duly noted. Okay. Uh, thank Lo- you. Love you all. Bye, Bye now. Bye. All right. Really she didn't have me until she said and I was vomiting. So there you go. Here's Tim Riley. At long last. NBC will pull the plug on ER. Really? After 15 years. I thought it was... Off. Me too. I thought it was gone years ago. I just, that ER is like a fabulous sports fan yeah. television. I thought it had been dead for years no, now. No, it's still there. <laughs> Looks like they're going to pull out the plug of life support <laughs> for its 15th and final season. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's going. They're They're tired of it. Well, they just noticed it was there. It's just survived it, it, just because it's been around. Yeah. All right. So the magnetic thing on the schedule board was just stuck there for many, many years, and finally they were able to pry it off. Uh, they're returning with uh, six brand-new spring episodes. These are the ones that were supposed to be shown before the strike. Uh, NBC plans 19 episodes next season repeat free, then a finale in late February. I don't even know who's on that show anymore. I remember John Stamos, because I think we had a story about this months ago, and we also thought that it was John the Stamos? I'm pretty sure. Of the, of the Stamos? Stamoses? Yeah. Of the Full House. Stamuses. The Full of the Beach Boys drumming for in the Kokomo video, Stamuses? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is John Leguizamo still on that show? Wasn't was he, he on? E- was wasn't he John was Le- wasn't John Leguizamo who I quite like, by the way? Wasn't John Leguizamo on ER at one point? He might have been. Nobody really pays attention to it. Last thing I remember him in was in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. No, and then he was in the but he was in the Moulin Rouge. Too. All right, I typed in ER and the first face that popped up was John Stamos. Really? Hmm. All right. Hold on. Who would have uh, known? Okay, so hold on a second. Now I now I have to go find it. I have to find out. Well, well some I guess of the there's... other stars included George Clooney, Anthony Edwards, Hal Holbrook, Noah Wiley. Hal Holbrook? Yeah. From Barney Miller? No, no, you're thinking of that other guy, Hal. Hal Holbrook was in uh, that movie that didn't win any awards. Back to the, uh, not Back to the Future, Back to the Wild? Into the Wild. <laughs> Hal Holbrook was Deep Throat. Deep throat Into the future, back an, to the world. An evening with Mark Twain, Hal Holbrook. That's the same guy. Deep throat, Mark Hal Holbrook. Yeah, okay. he, who's, he's older now. Who's the guy in Barney Miller? Oh, you're thinking of that other guy, Hal. It's a different one. Is that who's the guy that wrote the book? That book about how Planet Earth was about that we were all going to die. Last Chance for Planet Earth. I didn't read it. Is that Hal too? Is that Hal Lindsay? 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 Hal Linden. Who's Hal Lindsay? But it's not, not Hal Linden. <laughs> Okay. Hal Hui? <laughs> what? What? Huh? Who? Hal Linden. <laughs> He's dead. 
They're <laughs> all dead. Fact. <laughs> I'm just, whenever I don't know where somebody is from now on, I'm just going to assume they've been dead for three years or living with a sports babe. <laughs> all right. No, he's still alive. <laughs> Who? Hal Linden. Okay. And who is he? He's the guy in Barney Miller, isn't it? I don't know. Well, we're about to find out here. Take all the time you need. <laughs> yes, he was on Barney Miller. Okay. He was born in 1931 in New York City. All right. Wait. I wonder if these are people calling to tell us we're dumb. Do you mind if I... You go get a glass of water? If I go get a glass of water? Absolutely. Because I've had like 17 glasses of water. But you say so you need more. Yes. All right. He okay. is currently the national spokesperson for the Jewish National Fund. Tim and I will try not to do anything while you're gone. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey there. I wanted to, while Sarah walks out of the room, this is Mailman Brian. I just Hi. wanted to say thanks to her for mentioning Mailman in the article, uh, in the Tribune. That was great. I there felt was... like I was reading about myself. Yeah, I think it's been replaced on the newsstands as of today, the new issues out. But, uh, yeah, the Portland Tribune, Don Taylor, uh, did a really, really, really nice piece on the show. And, uh, yeah, we, Sarah gave shouts out to Mailman, and then we talked about the delivery drivers and geeks and, you know, the, the people who really form up, not the whole audience, but certainly the core of the audience. So, yeah, you, well, it, is, uh, it, it never goes unappreciated, sir. Oh, well, yeah, and thanks again. Thanks so much. Well, Rick, I have a couple of na- uh, ideas for the listener party name. For yes. The, you know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, one of them is uh, something or other, and include the words uh, like uh, listener party 11, mittens, mittens, mittens. Okay. Uh, and the other one, which may or may not have been used, you know the uh, you know the group of the organization that used to do the official like celebrities. Tim will know this. The '60s and '70s, the uh, the roast that they would do on TV. You know the name of the club that did that, right? The Friars Club. Right. So uh, you could work in your friar. I barely knew her, perhaps in the title. Okay, that's kind of funny. All right. So that's my that's my three and a half cents. Uh, right. Best show ever. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. All right. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, it's so nice that that woman just spread her germs all over Europe and Las Vegas and every place else. Not, oh. not my place to criticize. No, well, you know, I I actually did that once with the Texas A strain flu, and it it was nasty. My kids barked all the way from Texas to Oregon, and every place that they that we stopped, That's they had an make, outbreak. That's enough to make Tim leave the room right there. Great. Yeah, they had an outbreak. Oh. They had an outbreak, and so I'm sure if you watch, you know, there's going to be outbreaks in all the cities that she was in, coughing and carrying on. She'll be so. the she's the patient zero of Irish flu. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and I have a suggestion for the for the listener party. Yeah. Fried mitten. Everybody seems to be latching onto the mittens thing. You know, that's one of those things that you said, Sarah, once. That you said once that we used one time. And that was after a slew of, like, grapes and... A lot of hate mail and whatever. And we tried to use... We decided to use mittens as the catch-all profane euphemism. And that's just sort of taken on a life of its own. All right. uh, So I I fried mittens. I've written it down. Fried mittens. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. All right. Here's... Fried mittens. Here's nobody. Now Tim's gone, but I'm here. Uh Uh-huh. <clears throat> so how's Laura? Fine. Oh, good. How are you? I'm doing well. Wearing the glasses today. I know my eyes were starting to hurt a little. Yeah. I'm afraid to wear them too much because I don't want my eyes to get too used to you know being able to see clear. That doesn't make any sense at all. I know. I never claimed to. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to a show tomorrow night. I'm gonna go see uh, Antiflag, the Street Dogs. Kind of the Street Dogs. You a big fan of those guys? Yeah, they put on a real good show. Do they? Yeah. They love their fans. Yeah, they do. Oh, hello, Tim. I, Tim immediately Tim immediately sat down and started 
squinting and batting his hand again and invisible insects in the air. <laughs> I just want to catch you doing that on film just once. It really is fantastic. Hello, Tim. How are you? Let's resume the news, shall we? Well, Senator Clinton opened up her first Oregon presidential campaign office yesterday. And Barack Obama will open up his sixth Saturday in Salem. Uh, so the one here for Hillary is uh, located at 32 Northwest 5th. And apparently nobody's working there, from what we hear. And then Obama's campaign will open up an office Saturday at 155 Liberty Street Northeast in Salem. Liberty Street, of course. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, that's all we know about that. So it's at, she's at where? Northwest 5th? Yes. All right, okay. Uh, 32 Northwest 5th. This guy, by the way, somebody, somebody's saying, hey, Rick, that Pons thing is great. Uh, and he, he says, every time I hear some money-making scheme advertisement, I can only picture Henry Winkler giving the thumbs up and saying, hey, there needs to be a series of commercials with Ponzi flipping his collar up and hitting a jukebox labeled Bad Credit or jumping a motorcycle labeled Amway over a shark with financial ruin printed on it. The AEs are taking notes upstairs as we speak. At the end, he would say something like, With my proven money-making system, you'll have plenty of happy days in your future. Hey! <laughs> the pawns. Okay, if you work at Mad TV, that's yours to have. You can have that sketch uh, right now. Oh, you know what else? You know what I came up with the other day? I came up with uh, another... Because Mad TV, I know there's people who watch that. I'm not one of them. I don't know if it's still on. Yeah, it's... A, well, it, it is the... The Say ER it. of yeah. comedy shows. <laughs> Which is, in turn, the sports babe of medical shows. That is, that is true. <laughs> Thought it was dead. Um, I think we've just invented a new Rick Emerson show meme here. But um, uh, the I sometimes come up with ideas that are really too dumb even for me. And so in my head, I always say, I'll give that one to Mad TV. Like that, or if I'm having a conversation with somebody and I come up with a stupid idea, that's sort of my go-to thing is I did sort of my running gags. I'll just go, ah, I'm, I'm going to give that one to Mad TV. And that's like if something even I wouldn't do because it's too corny. I came up with one the other day. I came up with them. Um, it was like a Dancing with the Stars thing, but it was it was um, and th- and then I had variations on it. It was Manson with the Stars. Oh, I like that. Charles Manson, but it would it, so it would be Charles Manson dancing with like Marie Osmond. It would be Welcome to Manson with the Stars, and it would be and it would be like Marie Osmond with a huge swastika carved into her forehead dancing with Charlie Manson. See, and that went to Mad TV. And nobody will ever see it. No. <laughs> Yet it'll be on the air for another 20 years. I thought it was funny. Uh, no, I did too. It was honest. hilarious. It and then I, okay, but then I had another variation on it, which was which was the Danson family. And it's like a murderous thrill kill cult, but Ted Danson is, but, but, but you know, bartender Sam from Cheers is the leader of it. The Danson family. Ah! But I don't think people would think Danson, like, when you hear Danson, you don't so much go to Ted Danson first as you do, like, Dancing. See, Manson with the stars. That's why that's that's why that's you know I decided to go with that. That was where I ended up. All right. Did you hear that uh, Lindsay Lohan's going to be in that Manson girl movie? Yeah, How she's, hot gonna, is she's that? playing Squeaky. I don't think she's playing Squeaky from. I'm pretty sure she is. I read that. Mm, that seems like too much to hope for. I read it, Rick Emerson. Really? You know how I feel about Squeaky from. You know she makes my womb tingle. Here's Tim Riley. So let's talk about those uh, polygamy people, shall we? Is this a religious nutcase watch? I suppose it is. Here's your religious nutcase watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. A former polygamy 
activist's wife calls a religious compound that was raided in El Dorado, Texas, a cult. Rowena Erickson says the women removed from that site will not be able to begin a new life. People need exit counseling, they call it, because they're from a cult and they have all of this indoctrination and it's generational. So you have several generations of it going on inside them, handed on down, and there's just so much fear. Now, somebody uh, I read under the banner of heaven, which is that John Krakauer book about this particular cult, the Warren Jeffs cult, and somebody emailed me, and I don't remember this, but the guy said that in the book they make several references to an RLDS cult, uh, that one of the comments is in Woodburn. Oh, uh, really? And, you know, but I, I don't know. That book came out a couple of years ago, so maybe that's no longer true. But he says that in the book they make repeated references to an offshoot of this cult, to one of their compounds being here in Oregon, in Woodburn. So I don't know if that's still true or not. Uh, so this woman was uh, part of this cult for over 30 years. Uh, polygamous community women are slaves, and they're regarded as property. Their belief system is all about power and control, and women to them are property to be divided up the way they want them to be, and it's all motivated by their sexual urges. That sinister urge. Over 500 children have been removed so far. They interviewed some lady who uh, was helping load them on the bus, and they said, these children are not of our world. They did not want any uh, processed food, and they didn't know what Crayola crayons were. Well, no, because it's... It... I mean, it should go without saying, but because those people are all crazy. Uh, I mean, it, it, it is like, I mean, I hate to use this phrase, but I mean, it really is like a grow-your-own-victim kind of a, a thing. Uh, and it, let me just tell you this. Uh, I'm not going to keep pushing the book because it's kind of it's kind of dark and it's a pretty serious book. But the, but he's the guy who wrote Into Thin Air. And he wrote, in, it actually, the same guy that wrote Into the Wild, John Krakauer. It was one of his follow-ups to Into the Wild. It's called Under the Banner of Heaven. And it's a story, it's, a, it's an examination of religious fundamentalism in America. But he uses, as an example... The Mormon Church and these insane offshoots. Uh, I mean, as crazy as the Mormon Church is. I mean, you know, all of these offshoots of it are even nuttier. And he, but it's a, it's a book-length examination of this. And at one point, he talks about going to one of these. And I think he actually visited the Warren Jeffs compound at one point, or some people who had escaped from there, or, or whatever, as research for the book. And he describes having to diagram the family tree at one of these insane compounds where it's. Where it literally, I mean, it sounds like a, like a southern joke, but it literally is like, you know, fathers who then marry a woman and then marry the children, and then they have cousins who are then married to the brothers, who are then married to the sisters, who then marry the dad, and it's where the family tree is just this weird, like, spider web of overlap, and, you know, where everybody eventually ends up having nine heads. And all the kids are born into it. They don't know any of their life. They don't go to public school. They don't, you know, whatever. So it's just, yeah, it's a whole lot of a nutcasery is what that is. Well, let's talk about Hillary Clinton. All right, so there's your religious nutcase watch for Tuesday. Rick, how about listener party suggestions such as these? Uh... Listener Party 11, always double down. Uh, how about this? Uh, reminds me of an old faded party. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes, it does. Uh, how about this? Elevmerson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's Tim Riley. Hey, it's the ponds. Hey. <laughs> the ponds. 
Well, Hillary Clinton told uh, the top military <laughs> commander in Iraq, it's time for change. To begin an orderly process of withdrawing our troops, start rebuilding our military, and focusing on the challenges posed by Afghanistan, the global terrorist groups, and other problems that confront America. So she talked to this general, his name is Paturis, on the overall success of the recent troop surge. What conditions would have to exist for you to recommend to the president that the current strategy is not working? It's working fine. You know what this is? This is this her whole thing here of, of trying to sound all concerned and whatever. That's a whole lot of, I didn't vote for the war. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Mm -hmm. Lie, lie. So more than once, anti-war protesters interrupted this uh, testimony. Or it could be longer. Again, it, it, it is one... Could can you? If you could please, we're asking, we're asking the audience. Is that with one guy? Yeah, one did guy. He, did he like misread the map about where everybody was going that day? <laughs> All right. And then uh, someone started yelling, "Bring them home again!" Bring them home, General. Okay. Uh, Prom night approaching, it's trying to scare all the kids. Uh, yesterday at Mitchell High School in Colorado Springs, somebody dressed as the Grim Reaper entered a entered the classroom every 20 minutes to kill a student. Apparently, I don't understand. Would you please take the story from the beginning? I maybe I missed something. So it's time to scare the kids because it's almost time for the prom. Is that true? Yes, it is. Again, when, when does the prom happen? The prom happens every year. No, I like in April. Yeah, I think like April. Is it April and like May? May, or, May or, yeah. June. All right. That's why we need to order oh, our those immediately before they run out. Oh, it's hey. like the drunk driving assembly where no. we had like like life flight come in and stuff. And that a is down car. Mm -hmm. That's really true. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. You know, the uh, yeah, we're gonna be uh, all tuxed up for the. Uh, for the roast, I hadn't really thought about that. That we got to uh, get that now because it's like every every sweaty teenage boy in like five states is going to. I need a tux. Mm. All right, okay. I don't want to get stuck with the blue one again. So this year, apparently, this school couldn't uh, afford the uh, the broken down car. They had someone dress up as the Grim Reaper and enter a classroom every twenty minutes to kill a student. Yes, uh, kids need to be reminded by the Grim Reaper about the uh, dangers of drunk driving. Prom is coming up really soon, and we want students to basically have some demonstrations so that they know they need to be safe during prom. You know, but none of the, I mean, I don't mean to sound negative, but really none of these things probably have any effect. No, stupid kids are going to be stupid kids. I mean, that's kids. the thing. Yeah, There's you, a certain percentage who just aren't going to make it. That's, that's really, I was just going to say, that's really, that. no, that's exactly what it's I was going to say. It, it really is like Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. I mean, I mean, the clock is ticking. If you, Before some of these people leave the earth, nothing's going to help. <laughs> I mean, morons get what morons get. Mm -hmm. The best you can hope for is that they don't take out any smart people with them. Right. Uh, but I mean, I mean you have to remove every telephone pole to make these kids <laughs> safe. It just isn't going to happen. I mean, as evidenced by our nearly daily Darwin watches. I mean, really, as I as I think I think George Carlin once said this. You know, it's like people are like, you know kids are like any other group. Few smart ones, whole lot of losers. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, it, I would urge you now, if you are, and I know we have any number of students who uh, listen to this program. Hello. Uh, they need really? to be sent to military school where they're not driving around. I mean, take a moment. If you're listening to us in class, if you're headed to school or whatever it is you're doing, I would encourage you, look around in your homeroom, wherever you are right now. Look around at your school. Of all of the people you can see right now, which one's not going to make it? Several of them will not be here this time next year. 
You know who they are. You know who the dumb students are. You know who drink who drinks and drives at your school. You know who decides to sit home and huff paint thinner. Everybody knows who the dumb and or irresponsible kids are. Your goal is, here's the thing. I am now speaking solely to the intelligent students. If you are an intelligent a child, teenager, student, whatever, no amount of help, no amount of lectures, seminars, training is going to make your stupid friends smart. Your whole thing is just to stay far enough away from them that you are not killed when they inevitably do something retarded. That's it. I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly. I'm not trying to say that schools shouldn't try to make uh, an impact. I'm just saying, try as you like. It's not going to help. So the, the whole thing is, if you know somebody who is dense, just remove yourself from uh, their vicinity because they are inevitably... Uh, going to be caught somewhere at a party going, hey, look at this. And then the next time you see them, they're going to be on that black and white page halfway through the yearbook where like there's like clouds in the background and it says, always in our hearts. You don't want to be that guy. So, And everybody knows that guy. Everybody went to school with that guy. Um, there was a uh, someone who I will not name who was at my school uh, who when I was, I think, a senior or junior, I think he was a year behind me, but I mean, you know, it was just one of those guys. You just, you just, you just knew that he was a retard, uh, and, uh, and and you know, and sure enough, I mean, by I think about halfway through our junior year, uh, you know, uh, Johnny went out for one weekend and Johnny didn't come back to school on Monday. Uh, they just found, Johnny ended up just being a pair of shoes by the side of the road. So don't be that guy. Uh, and if you know that guy, quit hanging out with him because he would inevitably take you down with him. Did you have to do the thing where they came in and they gave you? Did they do the thing where they show the like the jaws of life or something being used? They to... totally had the thing out on the football field where they bring you in and there's this. Um, I think I've talked about this before where they had these uh, these two tarps mm-hmm. with these like these big lumps underneath them and you all sat in the stands and you don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden somebody comes out and pulls off the tarps and there are two smashed cars and then you know, like the president of the high school right. and like all, dun, these dun, people, dun, 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 dun. all these people like covered in blood, you know, pretending to be in a drunk driving accident. You hear all the um, like all the sounds of a party and they're like, right. hey, let's get in the car and then you hear a smash and then that's when they pull off the tarps and they actually flew in life flight. To like use the jaws of life to like rip open the cars and stuff, and they got to fly off. I never thought it could happen to me. That was the other thing they did uh, when I was in school. They would do these. I think in traffic safety, they would have these things where it was being narrated by like the cool kid, you know, and he, uh, you know, and he wanted to he wanted to continue being the cool kid and go along with the crowd and drink and drive and so he's. And then I was at the party. I knew that it was probably wrong, but someone handed me a California cooler and I decided to drink it and then drive myself home. Uh, And then of course he reveals at the end. I am now dead and narrating this from inside my casket. Do not be like me. And and it's just, you know, as Tim said, it, you can't save the stupid people from themselves. All, all you can do is try to just not be around them when they engage in these moronic acts of self-destruction. You know, back in my day, kids weren't even in, on the road, period. They were in the brothers' residence <laughs> being molested. <laughs> that was a simpler time, Tim. It was. We need to bring those days back. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? What's up? Hey, Richardson, listener party 11, save the drama for Obama. Yes, I've uh, I've written that down, sir. Great, thank you. All right. Bye. All right, there you go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, uh, I was, I've actually been one of the uh, presenters at one of those every 20 minutes campaigns. Uh-huh. And believe me, I hear you loud and clear when you say you cannot save the stupid ones because I work for the man, so I've seen plenty of the stupid ones pureed across the roadway. Um but the neat thing about that program that i got to say that's, frankly, better than D.A.R.E. and some of the other programs is that the program, the program acknowledges the kids are going to do 
drugs, and they acknowledge they're going to drink, they're going to do stupid things. What they, what they, what the program tries to do is at least help them make a little more uh, mature decision on what to do after you've consumed these quantities. Now, do these programs happen at public high schools? Yeah. So, yeah. so my question is, if you're saying that the program, uh, if it acknowledges that, as you say, uh, despite uh, the parents' uh, the massive self-delusion about what kids do, if it acknowledges that kids uh, drink or smoke or get high or whatever, I mean, how do you uh, how do you handle that in terms of this course? Because that seems like the sort of thing that the minute you would try to deal with it realistically, in other words, the instant that somebody at school tries to say. Well, look, we know kids are going to get high, uh, slash drink, slash have sex, whatever. So we're going to try to teach them how to do it safely. You immediately get some group of nutcase uh, blue hairs who are all angry about that and who insist that you do basically like an alcoholic abstinence program. Well, yeah, and I, I hear you. And, it's not, and I think that's probably why it's not adopted in all schools. In fact, it's, I, frankly, I think it's a, a damn too few schools that just take the realistic high road and just... You know, say, you know what, we realize this is a slope you're going to go down. And it's kind of a slippery slope from the, uh, you know, from the school perspective, but at least I think it's a more realistic approach in that we know they're going to do this. So at least make some, if you're going to make adult choices in the con consumables you're going to do, make some adult decisions on how you're going to keep yourself safe during and after the fact. But I mean, specifically what he's, I mean, do you guys, when you're doing these programs, do you say, uh, look, we know you might drink, uh, so uh, you know, have somebody drive you home or take a cab or whatever. What I mean, what specifically do you guys say? It's a multi-agency, uh, you know, police, fire, medical, uh, ODOT. A lot of different folks come in, and we we there's kind of a canned program that you give, and then you give a lot of specifics. And in in my experience, I've had several of my friends killed by drunk drivers, and if you try and put that personal touch on it, and that's day one. And then day two, they, they put together one of those programs, like you were saying, where it's a big school assembly and they do a mock crash and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it, it's effective enough that there's hardly a dry eye in the house. Now, can you quantify that by saying you're going to save X amount of students by having that program? No. But in the big picture, you know, if, if, it's kind of that old corny thing. If you save one, it's worth it. And I honestly think that the, this program is way more – realistic and beneficial than the dare just don't do drugs well I mean, that's, and that's the other thing is i'm really jaded about the whole thing because i i came of age during the just say no reagan okay, era. these fully or orchestrated assemblies i mean it was amazing that they actually got this together they got life flight they have these smash cars that right. they rip apart with the jaws of life with people covered in fake blood you know it really does look pretty realistic and it did make an impact on a lot of people it seems a lot see that seems a lot more effective than what i got because really when i was going to school there really was just a lot of it really was it was really badly done and it was hokey and seemed it was a lot of like finger wagging and it was exactly it was the sort of thing that you get about two minutes in and it just made you embarrassed for the people putting it on and you just sort of tuned out. It was like those horrible like don't smoke things where they come in and they do like a dance routine for you about like just say no to put in the button in your was mouth. A dance routine that I saw in high school that everyone was wearing black and they had different um, names of drugs written on them. They yeah. danced around it totally puts <laughs> to the heart. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. Hard to believe it was unaffected. All right, thank you, my friend. You bet. Bye -bye. All right, there you go. There's that guy. All right, fair enough. All right, this guy says, um, Rick, um, 
if you can't show kids a blood-stained and crumpled car to discourage drunk driving, who immediately says, hey, let's get the Grim Reaper instead? Does anybody believe the Grim Reaper actually comes for you? If anything, dumb kids are going to get really drunk and think, crap, I better drive away from the party before the Reaper shows up and takes me away. Um, What's that? Maybe he's kind of like a mascot. <laughs> Reaper. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, kids. I want students to be safe. I don't want to come to school and listen on the intercom saying so-and-so was killed over the weekend. So she's the head of the, uh, the student council. So uh, those are the role models for those kids. So listen up. Uh, some of the other things going on. The Olympic torch has arrived in San Francisco. And, and of course, the object now is to uh, chase down who's ever carrying it and blow it out. Well, that's not going to happen on San Francisco Police Officer Mike Davis's watch. Anyone who walks onto the bridge or bicycle traffic onto the bridge actually has to be stopped and searched. I don't understand. I thought you were kidding when you said that people were trying to blow it out. No, everyone's trying to blow it out. Do you get a prize? Or is the prize a beating by the police? I don't know. It's a prize incarceration. But that, right. I guess that's the fun of it. It goes back to the days of the ancient Greeks. Trying to blow out the, uh, the thing. A whale's vagina. Yes. Uh, so, uh, hey, well, let me ask you this, though. So now you got the drunk driving thing that does sound, that, see, that's way cooler than we got. That's, it that's, was super cool because I went from, you know, going to, like, this really trashy high school with, uh, you know, with the dancers to, yeah, to this, yeah, to this um, more. Yeah. And so was it, was it, one. but, I mean, it sounds like it had, like, it was pretty sort of, I don't want to say convincing, but, it I mean, was, it was it effective. Was, well, it was completely effective. It wasn't like these cars placed next to each other. I think they even used cars that actually were in accidents. Oh, that's kind of effective. Yeah, it was pretty messed up, and so these cars are just completely smashed. Like someone's heads through the windshield; they're all covered in fake blood. Like no, the, the, heads the people, still there, are they? the people fly in, um, in the helicopter. Like lifeline people actually landed on the football field, go running out there like it was a real emergency, and rip off the top of the car, uh, strap somebody, and you know, put the people who are died in body bags, and then they actually take the students and fly them away. I always thought they should have wheeled out some guy that wasn't dead, uh, but that had just been just been severely mangled. You know what I mean? Get one of those like that guy. They like always the Dallas guy. Yeah, to- exactly. That's exactly what. Boy, God, how schools all operate in the same blueprint, don't they? Because I, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. The guy with no jaw, I chew tobacco, you know. And then it's, you know, and then he has like, you know, he's one one plate. Uh, he's, he's always missing his lower jaw, or they built a new one out of like wood or something. <laughs> and so he's just sitting there. I would encourage you, don't be, you know, and he's, and then, and then it's equal parts like awkward and sad and funny, and you're trying not to laugh, and when you're a teenager, everything inappropriate is really funny to you, like the guy with no hands who plays guitar with his feet, and you're trying not to laugh at him, and then you do anyway, and then he gets attention. So, I always thought, it, it, like the jawless guy, for the drunk driving, they just bring up some guy who's, you know, what would maybe be more effective is a guy who's paralyzed. Mm-hmm. If you bring up some guy sitting in a wheelchair. It's like, hey, uh, you know, I used to be up and about and uh, doing whatever, and, uh, you know, now somebody else has to come in and wipe me when I'm done. So, you know, because I think that's – I don't think death resonates with kids. I really don't think it does. I don't think the idea of dying – Well, just like why kids don't wear condoms, because they feel like they're invincible. Totally, exactly. But I I think – I don't think kids maybe can – I I don't think kids can maybe grasp the idea of – as you said, maybe not using a condom and something that kills you. I think maybe kids can grasp, like, don't uh, have a kid and become a loser running, you know, being like a checkout clerk at 16 to pay for your OBGYN visits or whatever. Uh, or the, uh, you know, like the, in Britain, they do this anti-smoking thing where they link it to impotence. And it's a big, it's a series of billboard ads where it's like a cigarette and it's sort of drooping. And it's a whole lot of, you know, like every cigarette you smoke reduces your chance of having a successful, you know, male arousal period or whatever. Uh so I think stuff like that, the sort of bad injuries 
uh, I think that might be more effective than trying to sort of convey the sense of death uh, to kids. Because I just don't, I don't really know that that's a thing that, that resonates with anybody. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Jay, how you doing? What's up? Uh, I used to work for a local agency, and I used to have to be the Grim Reaper and come in and, and take bodies, and, and it, it, it does have a big impact. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't know you were done there. I thought that was a comma, not a period. So wait. So you were actually you played the Reaper. Right, right. They would take one of the officers, and we'd have to go in every 15 minutes, and then the students would actually be gone for the day. And then the following day, there'd be an assembly to where we'd bring those students out. So basically, they get the rest of the day out of school. Fantastic. Did they give you a full-on Reaper costume? Oh, of course. Did you get a scythe or a sickle or whatever it is? Yeah, and I stand about six five anyway, so everybody knew who it was, regardless. Please tell me that you got to use that for a Halloween costume later on in the year. Did I, was I supposed to or did I? <laughs> Thank you. All right, here you go. There's that guy. All right, uh, let's take a break. Jesus. Yeah. All right, let's take a break here. It's 135, Tim. My goodness. I had no idea. You know, we haven't even begun assembling this top five. Oh, we can be, We already have three. Yes, we do. All right, take a break here. Tim Riley returns around the corner later on. The top five songs made famous by cover versions. James Roop, and we will unveil the name of the Rick Emerson Listener Party 11, Roastmaster. Stay there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, Richie Bristol, when you get a uh, chance. Richie Bristol. I think he's a little bummed that he can't do his strip song. I know. I went by and he was feverishly uh, uh, pounding away at the keyboard, uh, assembling his top five songs that he would strip to. Uh, hey, Richie, when you get a chance, can you uh, hit Becca's printer? And I have just printed out... Uh, let me print it again, make sure that I did it. Uh, just, I printed out a couple copies of today's uh, top five. So we'll get to that here in just a few. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come, uh, today's top five. Top five uh, songs made famous for you there, cover versions. Uh, also, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, let me read a couple of these awful stories. Uh, we've also got It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. And uh, we will announce uh, the Roastmaster uh, for Rick Emerson, Listener Party 11, uh, for which we still need a name. And uh, just I will say this again, uh, only because it bears repeating, that we are trying to avoid any sort of spinal tap reference. So uh, please do not send us any variation on It Goes to 11. Although we appreciate it. We do appreciate it. It's just not going to happen. So uh, just uh, you, we can all use our synapses for something more productive. Uh, all right. Uh, let me just read. Let me read this. Let's see. What do you want to hear? Uh, man covered in acid or man dies from self-inflicted chainsaw wound. Ooh, Tim. Both sound equally good. All right, let me read this. But not as good as the one I have here. Really? What is the one you have there? A running Pennsylvania man falls from the roof of his uh, moving minivan and runs naked along a bypass. <laughs> that does sound great. I think they're all tied, but yours are better. Go well, ahead. Let, me, let me read this one, then we'll go to the Ministry of Truth. Uh, a college has been fined $28,000 after it failed to ensure the safety of a lecturer who suffered... Severe burns when an acid mixture exploded all over him. This is all leading up to one great sentence, by the way. Gary Baird, 45, was showered with nitric acid and ethanol at Bristol College in May of 2006. The health and safety executives brought the criminal prosecution at Bristol Magistrates Court. He was trying to create nitol, a substance used by engineers to test a weld's durability. 
The HSE found the city of Bristol College had not provided him with the adequate training to compose the substance. Furthermore, senior staff were unaware he had attempted the mix unsupervised at his desk. Yes, always make a big bottle of uh, highly scalding acid unsupervised. Nathan Prique, prosecuting for the HSE, said, Mr. Baird's last memory, I love stories, by the way, that have a variation of the phrase, the last thing he remembered was, uh, Mr. Baird's last memory is undoing the bottle and turning to his right to get the reference book that he had been using, so he didn't really know how to make it. He was just following the acid recipe out of some sort of a scientific cookbook. Um, his last memory is undoing the bottle and turning to his right to get the reference book he'd been using as a guide. He then noticed the surface of the acid was creating ripples. Then the bottle went bang, covering him with acid and glass. Here's the uh, phrase that pays, by the way. One colleague described how he could... One colleague described how he could... Hear Mr. Baird sizzling and could see his bone. All right, there you go. Here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. And now, I don't ever want to be found sizzling. Truth. This is Tim Riley. A woman sick with the measles flew into Portland in late March, exposing other passengers to the contagious and potentially deadly disease. And she just come back from Ireland? This woman flew from Amsterdam to Seattle on Northwest Point. 33 on March 26th. Then she boarded a smaller plane, flew from Portland, uh, from uh, Seattle to Portland on Horizon Air Flight 2243. The moment was in her 20s, she developed a rash on March 28th. The next day she boarded a plane in Portland, flew back to Amsterdam on Northwest Airlines Flight 92. Once she reached the Netherlands, she had blood tests that confirmed she had the measles. So uh, a lot of people uh, born before 1957 had the disease in childhood, and younger people are routinely vaccinated against it. But uh, for those who get it, well, there there are some terrible things. <laughs> you can get pneumonia, encephalitis, seizures, oh. and even death. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh just then. Uh, by the way, I should note that although we're going to do this uh, top five songs made famous via cover versions, so Richie just sent me his top five stripping songs. These are the top five songs to which Richie Bristol uh, would strip. Now, here's the truly disturbing thing about this list, is that the list consists of the song, the artist, and then a description of what kind of stripping he would be doing to this particular song. Did you see that? Yeah, that's. it really is unbelievably horrifying. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> describe, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, yeah describe, describing the nature. I thought maybe he was, like, naming the albums that they were from. No. No, when he says on the pole, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not the name of an album, Sarah. So oh, on the chair isn't where that song is no, from? No, nor is in your, in your face. So, or lap dance? Yeah. Or on the catwalk. The idea that Richie pictures himself stripping on a catwalk is both great and awful. All right, here's Tim Riley. A running Pennsylvania man climbed atop a moving minivan, stood on the roof, and rode the vehicle till it crashed and catapulted him into the woods. Well done. Then the man climbed up, stripped naked, and ran several hundred yards down the busy highway, bleeding from a foot-long gash in his side. Oh, oh. I've never seen anything like it, said the police detective. We don't get calls like this very often. Uh, there were calls from frantic motorists. They tried to taser the guy, no effect. Eventually, they tackled the 38-year-old man. He was taken to the hospital. Uh, one of the motorists said he saw clothes on the highway and saw a naked man with a long cut in his torso running toward him. He was waving his hands in the air like he was lost or he was on something. He had a panicked look on his face. He was in a daze. 
You know, you want to help out other human beings if they're injured. That's part of me, but I didn't know what kind of mental state this person was in, so I snapped the cell phone picture and kept on driving. <laughs> Spoken like a true American. I could help that guy, or I could just uh, take a photo and put on my space later. All right, wonderful. As you know, as you know if you're a long-time listener to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, don't ever help anybody. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, good afternoon, guys. What's up? Hey, I have a little gift for you and Sarah. Is it bigger than a bread box? Well, it's a it's a site I want you to punch in. Oh, oh no. no, no, no! Seriously, if, if this doesn't give you this a... this is gonna have something spewing out of no, something, no, no, is no, it? No, no, if, if this doesn't give you a ooh, McRib is back moment, then I'll never call again. Really? Are you willing to stake your uh, your your actual future calling livelihood on that? If you knew how many times I tried to call, you would you would know how serious I was about this. Okay. Yes. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. It's www. dot megacorp l o a t h e m e g a c o r p dot com okay forward slash oh I'm sorry slash yeah qpr qpr slash I feel okay. like we're gonna be had right no 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 I, I guarantee it okay qpr yeah and that's it qpr slash qpr slash oh All right. slash crap. okay yeah, like... and then just scroll down scroll down to uh, below I think it's David Byrne all right, hold on. All right, now is this a this appears to be a uh, some sort of a website that is offering a uh, a bootleg recording of uh, Meatloaf live on the Bad Out of Hell tour in 1978. Yes, Hammersmith Odeon. God bless you, awesome. sir. Awesome. Well so, done. And um, do you see the other ones? You have Aerosmith in '78 and all these other things. I see Zeppelin '73. Yeah, this is a really and I I just thought without it. Talk about death and da 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 da. That maybe you could do use a little upper. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friend. I, got, I, I really do appreciate. And the Grateful Dead. I'm sorry. In Egypt. That's kind of cool. And Bob Dylan live in 1965. Okay. This is fantastic. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. And I have a couple suggestions for your uh, listener party. Yes, sir. Listener party 11. Burning for you. You want know, to roast? Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> I didn't get it there for a second. All right. All right. All right. Excellent. And or uh, geek on the spit. No. No, that's a that's a bad name. But I, I like the first one though. Okay, well, anyway, have a great day, Thank guys. you, sir. All sure, right, bye. there you go. So here is Meatloaf singing, I'm looking at this set list, Meatloaf, live at Hammersmith Odeon, London, England, June 6th, 1978. Paradise by the Dashboard Light, all revved up, no place to go. You took the words right out of my mouth. River Deep, Mountain High, really, Johnny Be Good, and Bat Out of Hell. All right, I am all over that. All right, thank you. That's a fantastic sight. Good, 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 uh, goodness happening. And this always hesitant because every time people send us to sight. Because then it's a picture of somebody with uncontrollable diarrhea. With the just, bath, it's like the bathtub same. girl. Exactly. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking oh. about. And that's something you can't unsee. Either. It's always a picture of something really big going into something really small and unlubricated. Here's Tim Riley. New researchers show that uh, television and teenagers don't mix. That, according to Dr. Ellen Rome of the Cleveland Clinic, of the what? Says, Cleveland Clinic. Uh, youngsters, especially teenagers who watch television, have bad eating and exercise habits. Uh, we know that they also um, have more of a chance of getting into all of the lifestyle behaviors that will cause them problems over a lifetime. Parents better make sure they're watching what their children are on television. If you have a whiner, if you have a kid who is giving an obnoxious answer back, limit what TV they're watching monitor what they're watching, and pick shows where those behaviors aren't reinforced. Do you have trouble with spring allergies? Yes. What allergy specialist says our abundant tree supply here in the Northwest is at the heart of the problem. 
She has developed a non-pharmaceutical problem uh, product you can use to actually wash your nasal passages away. I think we talked about this last week. Is this the, the, with a the nose kettle? saline solution. You insert the nozzle into one nostril, lean forward over the sink, and then tilt your head so that the solution goes in one side and comes out the other. Now, I think she stole somebody else's invention because I had one of these last year. I was just going to say, and I call shenanigans on this for allergies, though, mm-hmm. because, uh, and as you know, everybody in the room now is suffering from hay fever. Uh, I have turned to Western medicine for this by injecting chemicals. Uh, injecting, ingesting. I'm injecting chemicals, too. Uh, by ingesting chemicals. I took some Claritin before the show, and that's how I'm handling it. Now, I know that other people... Uh, Americans love drugs. Yeah, they do, and I'm, I am one of them. And they, I know that other people seek out homeopathic remedies and... Big vats full of mold and whatever. But here's the thing about this nose bottle business. Those lost civilizations didn't last as long as ours. That's what I'm saying. Uh, We didn't get... They were all sent to unpleasant places. Sam, we didn't... We didn't get to be the greatest nation on earth by, uh, you know, by just eating bark, Tim. Right. Um, so this nose kettle, now I I will grant that if you have some sort of, you have a cold or something, and your nose is all congested, fine, you pour saline or hot water or something into your nose, flush it out. I dispute that that would work for allergies, though, because unlike a cold, a cold is sort of a one-time thing. It hits you, uh, you get the symptoms, then it goes away. An allergy, you know, once you clean out your nose, it seems like you're going to walk outside and you're going to be filled with allergens again, or histamines, uh, and then you're just going to be all gunked up again. So I don't think that this would really work for allergies. Well, she says, uh, why not try nasal washing? Americans really don't like the idea of it. Nasal washing is something really that's been around for centuries, but that's only become better known in the United States over the last decade or so. All right. But, I mean, really, who wants to use something that's been around for centuries? Am I right? I mean, really, honestly, things in the past, can I just, can I just, I know that you're not supposed to say this, but things in the past didn't work. That's why they've been replaced by things we use now. I mean, everything in the past has been replaced by some other thing that works better. That's just the fact. That's like saying, you know what, people used 14-4 modems for a long time in this country. For decades, uh, Western peoples used the 14.4 modem. So, therefore, I ought to get rid of my cable Internet access and go back to using the 14.4 because that's how people used it back then. People, the, the things that were used back then didn't work and were replaced by things that we use now. There is nothing in the past that worked better than something we use now. That's a scientific fact. So everybody's stuck on that. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a dancer caught fire on stage, and the fire department said her flame-blowing routine violated the city's fire code. Uh, This happened in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, This happened at the Deja Vu Hustler Club, which had been violating the fire code for quite some time. Good for them. Uh, And the burn injury was uh, brought to their attention, and they acted immediately. Paramedics were called to the club at 4.30 a.m. They took a 31-year-old dancer to the hospital. She was treated for second-degree burns to the face and neck. The club did not have a permit for indoor pyrotechnics. An investigator said it probably would not be allowed one even if they applied. So uh, she was, she was uh, burned. What was, the, what was the nature of, the, of her routine? This was the, uh, the flame-blowing dance. Or the flame-blowing dance. <laughs> that depends on the order in which... It occurred during the dance. I guess it depends on who the, the clientele are. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even... I cannot <laughs> believe that you just said that. Well, no, I mean, the <laughs> fact that you know what occurs there. Yeah. <laughs> well, because with candles. Isn't that the deal? They were, she was blowing candles. I, I don't know. I wasn't a patron. No, no, I mean, at this place here. 
Isn't that the deal at the Hustler Club? Yeah, she was extinguishing candles. Yes, she was. It was a birthday party. She was blowing That's flames cool. out on candles. Mm-hmm. All right, you're making a wish. Hi, hello. Uh, hey, Rick. I was curious if you had. Someone's going to tune in halfway through that sentence and hear it wrong, and I just decided well, just to just to just to cut our losses on that. Yes. That's okay. It's your show. Your prerogative. What's uh, up, sir? Uh, if you had considered in your top five cover songs uh, made famous by being a cover, if you had thought about the song Louie Louie, which nobody even remembers who originally uh, wrote. Yeah, you know, seeing that, so it, that it's too late to put it on the list, but you know what? I didn't. I did not think of Louie Louie, which it was course, recorded on 12th Street and uh, in the studio at some point. Like you, you mentioned it, and it's like a deliberately listless tone of. Well, it's been bugging me. Like, the song is so famous, Richard and I Barry. can't even remember who originally did it. Yeah, there you go. But anybody ever, rem- nobody ever remembers anything but the Kingsman. Uh, sound if, you are from, if you're from Portland also, you, you always hear that, you know, I was Paul Revere and the Raiders recorded it, I think, the week after. Uh, I think the Kingsman recorded it on one Saturday, and on the following Sunday, or the following, you know, the next weekend, uh, the Paul Revere and the Raiders recorded their own version of it, and they were sort of competing versions, and then over time... The Kingsman sort of had the the, the the definitive version. There's a great book by Dave Marsh simply called Louie Louie, and it's a full, it's like a 300-page book simply about the history of that song, and it's it's not as boring as it sounds. It's actually very fascinating. Interesting. I Too late to put it on the list, but that isn't a Probably group. forget to check that out. Uh, put it on your to-don't list. Thanks. Um, <laughs> all right. It's a, yeah, that is, it's a fascinating book, and it's too late to put that song in the list. Also not on the list. I should have done this one. Twist and shout. Sorry. It, look, it was done on the fly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, put that together in about 20 seconds. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, I got a couple of suggestions for the uh, Emerson party. Okay, uh, well, first not a name, back but... on the woman at the Hustler Club doing a flame-blowing dance. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, first, well, not a name, but just you need to get it sponsored by the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, or or if you went with Rick or Mortis like you did before you get sponsored by Cleveland Clinic. But then my other one was, uh, I don't know the game of crafts at all, but, like, isn't 11 have something to do with it? Anyway, you could say uh, Rick Emerson, listener party 11, crafts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny, actually. I like it just ending with crafts. <laughs> right, so that's all I got. Well, well done, thank you. That's pretty good. All right. That made us all laugh. It really did. Anywho, uh, all right. Before I get into more trouble, let's just uh, let me announce the roast master here, and then we'll take. You know what? We're all entitled once a week. Uh, that was really extreme. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's a thing that could plausibly happen. It's a Freudian slip. I don't know what you're talking about, Tim. I don't either. I think it was it was a week ago today. I think after um, there was the whole Tim Riley and the baby showers. <laughs> what? I don't remember that one. Oh, the Andrea Yates joke. Yeah. That really is one of our finest and worst moments. All right. Luckily, we're adding to them every day. <laughs> oh gosh, I know. Thank you um, for, for that hour when we repeat the best of the program. Uh, so let me just uh, say this. So let me announce the roastmaster. We'll take a break. We'll come back. James Roop. Then we'll have uh, more from Tim Riley. Uh, we will do It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard, uh, which today's is terrible. And uh, we will have uh, the top five songs made famous by their cover versions. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I get all the extra, extra saliva today. I don't know why. Would you like some of my mucus pills? You need a nose kettle. I... <laughs> the great thing is those are both hilarious suggestions and totally unrelated to my ailment. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have know. extra saliva. Would you like a nose kettle <laughs> or some mucus pills? Uh, they were good enough for the Native Americans. What? Uh, I don't even. I don't even know what you're talking about now. Let's all let's all stop and just take a moment. What would happen if I took one of those mucus pills and I didn't have a mucus problem? These pills? Let's, let's find for, out. You should give me one. All right. I think I'm going to take another one, too. It's right. been like three hours. I don't have any mucus. Uh, I don't need mucus relief. They taste kind of funny, too, right? Is it? Oh. It, it tastes really it tastes bad. Like, it tastes like death. Mm. Ah, all right. Always a good idea to take drugs. The drugs that haven't been prescribed to you and that you don't need. Note how I just took that blindly, by the way. I never even bothered to see if you were actually giving something out of that bottle. I didn't give you the directions, bottle. and I didn't give you the warnings. I have no either. idea what the warnings are. I have, what are the warnings? If you're taking any prescription medication, Uh-oh. do not take these. Oh. Well, too late if you, now. If you don't know what this is, ask a doctor or pharmacist before taking this. Really? Device. Does it say not to take it if you're taking any other prescription drugs? No, I'm just messing with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, Rick, if you are pregnant or breastfeeding, you have to ask a health professional. No, I can announce the Roastmaster. Oh, okay. All right, so Rick Emerson, Listener Party 11, coming up uh, Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. Somebody suggested the Crystal Ball Busting Party. That's actually not bad, because it is a roast. Uh, the uh, the centerpiece of Rick Emerson, Listener Party 11, uh, which is uh, unnamed at this moment, uh, will be the Rick Emerson Roast, happening, uh, I don't know, probably 8.30 to 9.15 or so. Um, we will be announcing roasters over the next couple of weeks. I've already heard back from, pardon me, uh, from some of the folks who have confirmed we have, uh, at this moment, I would say about half of the roasters are confirmed. We will be uh, confirming the others and unveiling them sort of one by one. We'll probably go through a week where every day we reveal one or two of the people who will be roasting. Uh, people have asked who the subject of the roast is going to be. Uh, you know, obviously, it, 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 I'm going to be the, the, the roasty or whatever, the the whatever you call it. I'm going to be the one who gets roasted. Uh, as always, uh, usually everybody in attendance is fair game to some degree or another, but I, the, I will be the object of everyone's scorn, really, for the, for the most part. Um, the roast master, the person who will be starting the roast, hosting the actual roast segment, doing a little insulting of his own, and then bringing on the various roasters throughout the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to announce a listener party 11 happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. for the Rick Emerson Roast. Roast master... Carl Click uh, oh. of K2 fame. Uh, so K2's uh, television's Carl Click uh, will be our roast master for the evening. So there you go. Uh, still to come, the list of roasters to be announced, uh, the name, uh, artwork, uh, all of that. So uh, anyway, so uh, save the date, Thursday, May 15th. I'm back after this with James Roof, more from Tim Riley, the top five and more. State of the Rick Emerson Show. Suggestion here. I okay, okay. What is it? For I don't know. If, I don't know. Yeah, for the for the listener party name. I don't really know if it's usable because it's 
It's like Joni and I were working on the intro video last time. We were just kind of scripting out the intro film that we always do. And we had a, a bunch of great ideas that we had to sort of discard because they don't really fit the theme or the vibe or the general. You know, we're, we're kind of doing kind of a sort of, you know, because of the roast, we're doing kind of a nightclub vibe this year. And, and it's so we had a lot of great intro video ideas that just were not going to work. Uh, you know, where I'm, like where I'm standing outside somebody's window, like holding a boombox and playing Dream Theater mm. or something. Just interesting ideas that we had to discard. This name it is really good. I don't think it's going to work with the general tone of the party, but I sort of regret it. I almost I almost want to make like a secondary set of, of art pieces just so I can use this. Okay, what is it? What is Listener it? Listener Party 11, Rick Emerson and the Kingdom of the Crystal Ballroom. <laughs> How great is that? Oh, God, that is so genius. It's genius. I mean, it's, it might not work for the event, but I almost want to make like a special, like a, like a runner-up piece of artwork, you know what I mean, to have it on display. Like, very nearly chosen, and then have, like, like some artwork made for it. Uh, I mean, it's great, and it's it's it probably... Who, d- who recommended that one? Um, Nick says, big listener, best show ever. Anyway. That is so genius. It is. Oh, I mean, we could do, like, a whole, like, pop culture theme with it. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. I... We, that's actually good enough that even if we don't end up using that, uh, I don't know, we might try to have a little something made to just have it on display there just to kind of... To get the best of both worlds. Yeah. It's pretty cool, actually. So, I don't know. Well, anyway, we got, I'm going to try to... My goal is to have something picked by the end of this week. Uh, so, uh, anyway, get to the end of the week for your uh, suggestions. We'll uh, we'll find something. Ladies and gentlemen from Los Angeles. I'm sorry, San Francisco. CNN Radio Correspondent to the Stars, James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. How are you doing, brother man? I'm uh, on my way to the Chinese consulate. Woo! <laughs> the, the actual Chinese consulate? In San Francisco, and yeah. this is because of so. Uh, the backstory. So Richard Gere is apparently there. Well, by God, everything's going to be okay now. It's really, honestly, I, I was worried that we wouldn't ever get any resolution to this America Olympics China Tibet Olympic torch thing. But now that Richard Gere is on the case, it's going to be solved by the end of the day, undoubtedly. All is right with the world. So this is one of the where, where I guess. Um, so the the Olympics are being held in uh, Beijing. And I guess everybody's uh, kind of pissed off about it because China does not have, as we would say, a sterling human rights record. Uh, <laughs> and so there's this whole thing where everybody's trying to blow out the Olympic torch and whatever, right? Is that kind of the backstory on this? That's uh, that's not the backstory, sir. That is the story. That is the story. So there you that go. That is the story. So and, and that's it, why we're, that's why we're here. And and I, somebody sent me sort of saying a lot of the people who are sort of carrying the Olympic torch torch have decided to bow out. Because they don't necessarily have the idea that they're going to be accosted every hundred feet by some guy with a bucket of water. Well, I know for sure one person has bowed out. I have not heard uh, of any others. There's 40 people supposed to carry this torch some six miles. It's kind of crazy. So we'll have to see exactly how many people wind up opting out. This may be the last leg of this whole torch relay thing. They may just can it all and take the damn thing over to Beijing and wait until the Olympics start. So, uh, so that was going to be my next question. Is just, I don't really know anything about this except what I see like depicted in movies. Do they really run from I don't know, like like Maine to Los Angeles or something with this? Uh, well, it starts in Greece and it goes eighty-five thousand miles to uh, Beijing. At least it's supposed to. And this this whole torch run thing, from what I understand, started back with Hitler in nineteen thirty-six when he wanted to show how closely the the Greeks were to the Aryan nation he was trying to build right. by uh, connecting Germany with Greece, and so he decided to do this torch relay. And 
somehow it caught on, and they've been doing that ever since. That's the story I've heard. I don't know if that's absolutely true or not, but that's the story I heard in the background be, be, behind uh, running this torch to the Olympic Games. So what is it that you're going to be doing at the Chinese consulate? Well, there's some big protest there. I'm going to go cover that and see what everybody's crying about, and then, uh, I don't know, wait till uh the, the torch event itself tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon. You sound really excited about the whole story. You know, it's just it's one of those things where we go somewhere last minute and then trying to scramble to find out what I'm supposed to do next <laughs> is really, you know, because I'm not I don't I don't have a producer like the TV guys do. Right. You know? And so it's really hard to figure all this stuff out. And well, um, when in know, doubt, we just we just do our best. Man. When in doubt, sir, remember you can always interview people about a toilet that turns your waste into electricity. That's true. I always have that to fall back on, don't I? That can be your go-to story, my friend. <laughs> always, always will be. All right. Well, I know that San Francisco traffic is probably really fun right about now. So uh, yeah. yeah. So I will uh, I will let you go to uh, to keep your eyes on the road, travel safely, uh, my brother. We'll talk to you when you get back to L.A. Undoubtedly. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, sir. Jim Roop in Los Angeles. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, it's Eastman, back in New York. How are you? Oh, I'm gonna. Uh, we got a terrible connection here. Hold on. Sp- say something. This is no. This is Eastman, back in New York. Ah, I'm sorry. Uh, were you? Oh, that, um, sucks. that sucks. No, I'm sorry, sir. We got we got nothing going on there. All right. Sorry. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Let's do a couple calls here. We'll play the worst song you've ever heard. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Tim Riley, uh, and we'll do the uh, top five songs made famous through cover versions. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What is up? Antimatter. Do you still care? It's an oversimplified version of explaining it. I don't know. Hold on a second. Uh, Just to to determine whether or not I still care about this, we will, as we sometimes do, uh, do, turn to the dice of destiny. Hold on. Let's see if I care. Sure, I really care. Tell me all about it. Okay. Well, the terminology, it, it, you're, you're looking at it as um, matter or no matter. Well, if you look at it as, um, well, like, okay, so, you know, stress, therapists talk about it like there's good stress and there's bad stress, but the rest of us just talk about a bad stress. Well, matter kind of like that where, this is all, all this type of matter where we have the matter you're used to talking about is positive matter. Like, think about a, a electrically charged positive matter, and antimatter is negatively charged, like mm-hmm. a magnet. Uh-huh. So you have, like, a, you know, negative matter, or, you know, like a negative magnet and a positive magnet. I thought you said this was short. Well, I, didn't, I didn't say that. Oh, I thought he said I that. I made no guarantee of the it's brevity. Simplified. It's simplified. It's not short. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Negative matter. I barely Negative, heard. Yeah, exactly. It's charged matter. It's the same stuff. It's just negatively charged. So when you have, like, like a magnet, they're drawn together. Yes. When, when the matter and the antimatter come together, there's a, a reaction of pure energy, which gives off light, which is probably why they use it in PET scans, because it kind of backlights it. Wait, hold on. Let's, let's take a little deviation. First of all, how old are you? Uh, 23. God, I'm dumb. Secondly, what is a PET scan? Please, just briefly. Well, okay, so you know how x-rays, they um, um, they uh, illuminate, you go through stuff at, at different rates, and that's why you have black and you have white? Sure. Well, it's kind of like that, but with more detail. And it's, you know, you know for the brain. I'm not, I'm not an expert on it. I just have a, a little grasp. But it, it's not because you can't X-ray the brain. 
you don't get to see like the actual uh, can't dust the, what's going on in the brain because it only does bone uh, the X-rays. Yeah, but this this does like soft tissue kind of. Okay, and and then there you go. And so antimatter meets matter, and then something light. happens. Light. Then happens. light happens. Alanis Morissette's "You Ought to Know" is about Dave Coulier. All right. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it. There you go. You make me laugh. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Didn't I just? Did you get that? No. Okay. No, not at all. I, I, just, I love it when people are so sincere and trying to like educate and you. We're and we're just dumb. I mean, me anyway. I just can't. No, I, I didn't get it. Either. I can't learn. I don't know how to love. I just, I can't. There's stuff in my head I can't. I don't know what it is. I, you know, it's like Richie has no sense of smell. I got no sense of math. I have no, the math or receptors science. or science. The, the, the science receptors in my brain, just unless it's, the only science I can understand, the irony here is, the only science I can understand is made up science. I say science fiction. Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Is it's fabricated science. I know all about it. If it's science that could, if it's how does Darth Vader eat, uh, even though he has to wear a helmet, and how does he breathe because his lungs have been burned off, uh, I understand all about that now. I just don't understand actual real science. And the whole, this is why I barely graduated from high school. The whole time he's, and I'm not trying to knock the call, he was, he was obviously a smart guy, really doing his very best to explain science to us. The whole time I was just trying to come up with jokes in my head about it. You know, like... Um, so you weren't even paying attention? I was paying attention with part of my brain, but then the other part was working on bad puns, like... Uh, a, like uh, the I barely knew her. Yeah, or like... Uh, Scanner. Well, I couldn't get the particle accelerator to work today. Well, no matter. No matter. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, it's Eastman. Is the reception better this time? Hello, Eastman. How are you? He came from the East to battle the amazing Rendo. Amazing Rendo. Yes. What's up, brother? Hey, back here in New York, I uh, one of the benefits, the only benefit of not being able to listen except only on the phone is I always guarantee of Siri when I call in because it's what I want to talk about for a moment. <laughs> now, but, but just to deviate for a second, for those who do not know, uh, so Eastman, alias uh, Noah, is a guy who's been, uh, I know we go through this every time we call it. How long have you been listening? What? I was listening to, as you used to say, back in the day, I listened from live from Portland to Portland, Yahoo Broadcast. This is around 2000. In 99 to 2000. So for almost a decade, uh, you have been listening to this program. How old were you when you began listening? Oh, I was just graduating school, 21. So you were 21. You are now 30? 29. 29. It's 30 almost, in a few months. It is yeah. weird when I meet somebody who has gone through a whole uh, phase of their life listening to this show. Um, occasionally, I will meet somebody who listens. You know, they're like, "Hey, I listen to you all the way through college." Or uh, the really weird one is, I've been doing this long enough that I have met a. I met a girl some time back, and a few years ago, who had listened to me uh, when I was in Utah, and by coincidence, she grew up and moved to Portland, and we ran into each other at a listener event. And she said that when she started listening to me, I think she was. Jesus, like 15, 14, and she listened to me all the way through high school, all the way through college. And that was just a really weird thing. It made me feel really old, but it was kind of cool, I but know. it was just you, very strange. You, you so. mentioned people that have gone through high school and college. Well, oh. I've gone through the equivalent. Very strange. All right, H how can I service you today, sir? And you know that we are streaming live now, correct? Uh, I'd have to double-check, but uh, I remember you absolutely don't endorse sticking to the man 
proxies for... Uh, we actually now have a, a real, honest-to-goodness CBS corporate stream uh, running. Uh, you may now hear the show live from 11 to 3 uh, Pacific time. Uh, so that would be from uh, 2 to 6 your time. And then the rest of the day, it streams Rick Emerson Best Ups. That is at 970.am, sir. Well, I will certainly look up listening live. Excellent. I found out someone in my office where I'm working is a Goonies fan. Yes. So my brain immediately jumps to the interview of the Goonies vacation. Of course, in my head, I can't remember. I keep on Googling Goonies Roadshow. I'm like, this isn't working. So I finally think, I'll go to your website. Sure enough, I find a link to it. Now I have all the pages I can handle about it. Excellent. Also, on a note about understanding science of you. Yes. You were the one who explained to your friends who are huge Guitar Hero fans in addition to musicians. You were the one who said you have to go through a Mr. Miyagi-esque psychological calming to remind them, I'm no longer playing a game controller. I am now playing a real guitar. Yes. I think you understand science. It may not be quantum physics, but you understand psychology. Okay. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you bringing me this moment of zen-like clarity. Talk to you later, Rick. Keep it real. <laughs> Thank you. 970.am, Noah. All right, there you Did go. Did I tell you I guy. saw the Goonies house this weekend wow. for the first time ever? In Astoria? Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it was so awesome. See Haystack Rock and the whole thing? No, didn't go uh didn't like go down to that um to the beachy area of Astoria. Yeah, the house is cool. Yeah, isn't went it? yeah, was uh, like went driving all through those hills and stuff. Those houses are amazing. I could totally live there for like a year of my yeah. life. It's a really beautiful place. Um And it's so dank and pretty and oh, it's just so cool looking. The uh the guy that my mom was dating for a long time had a a second house in Astoria. Uh, because he was a, he's like a some marine biologist guy, and so he lived in Astoria part of the year uh, to do uh, you know science or whatever. Uh, and so she would spend part of the time in Astoria with oh. him. It's just it's like the coolest place. It yeah, really is. But the person I was with, they were talking about the Goonies, and they totally didn't have to orchestrate anything about the atmosphere in Astoria. No, like, that is there. that is the town that that, yeah. that the Goonies lived in. Yeah, that is it. it the I don't know if the Goonies was originally written to take place in Astoria or whether they changed the script to to uh, to fit. The location, but yeah, they must have gone there and went, well, this is it. Mm -hmm. Don't need to change anything. All right, uh, so there you go. That's Noah Eastman. It is weird. He's been listening to me for like almost a decade now. I remember him randomly calling in every once in a while. He calls like twice a year to let me know how life is in New York. By the way, I think I took en enough of these now. Really? Is your mucus gone? I yeah. That's like as Although yesterday. I've, I've taken three times the um, recommended amount. Yeah, you know, those are just That never lines. works. No, nah, the never recommended works. dosage is for pussies. No. Um, the, uh, well, that's like yesterday when the Claritin finally kicked in at around 2.30 yesterday. Uh, all right, I'm going to play this. Uh, this is the worst song you've ever heard. Then we'll come back. Uh, we'll have uh, Tim Riley, The Ministry of Truth, and the top five songs made famous through cover versions. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, without uh, further ado, I give you It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard.
Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. So, uh, speaking of the stream, as we were earlier. So, apparently, um, and I got several emails about this. I guess, I've never, I mean, I've never had the stream buffer uh, for me. Because, I, you know, in the first couple weeks before the live stream launched, we would all listen to it upstairs. Uh, just to make sure that everything's working and that it technically that it was smooth and everything. So I never had any problem with it buffering or sort of losing the feed. But I guess, I don't know whether it's the, the number of people, I don't know, the people who clamoring to listen to us, or whether it's like a, a network problem. But I guess there's been some buffering issues lately uh, with our live stream. And I always assumed that when our live stream would buffer, it would, you know, buffer the way that like a, uh, I don't know, whatever else is where it, where it sort of pauses but then picks up where it left off, uh, but you're sort of behind. Apparently, that's not the case. I guess when the live stream buffers, it, it really is not so much buffering as it is just dropout. I guess it kind of drops the feed when it's buffering, and then it picks it up from wherever the stream is then. And so if it buffers, you sort of lose whatever is broadcast in the interim. Anyway, the point is, like 75 people have emailed me to say that apparently when I did the big announcement at the Roastmaster, what they heard was, and the Roastmaster for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11 is... Back after this, and then we went back to break, and it, oh, it buffered no. the entire segment where we made the announcement. Um, so, for the uh, benefit of those listening online at 970, you know, what, what, a, what a group of people we are today. Sarah it has this uncontrollable cough and congestion and mucus. Tim is batting an invisible specks of dust and bats in the air. I have... I keep biting my tongue today because I bit it once this morning. I bit so my... the inside of my cheek, too. And now my teeth keep catching it, and so I've got this weird uh, marble mouth thing that's developed as my tongue like <laughs> keeps getting bitten by my teeth. So we, we really are a bunch of skilled broadcasters today. Anyway, so for the benefit of those who are listening online at 970.am, where you can now hear this show absolutely, uh, really, honest to goodness, no fooling around live, uh, as well as getting the podcast and so forth, uh, the Roastmaster... At Rick Emerson Listener Party 11, happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom, the Roastmaster will be K2's Carl Click, uh, television's Carl Click, uh, will be joining us uh, as Roastmaster and uh, laying down some material of his own. Uh, So there you go, Carl Click, the Roastmaster for Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. Ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Las Vegas, Tony Braxton has been hospitalized. Flamingo Hotel Casino spokeswoman, Tina Petit, said the 40-year-old singer has an undisclosed ailment, but it's not life-threatening. Tina Petit? Tina Petit. Uh, Braxton was taken to the hospital last night. Miss Petit expects Braxton to be released at some point this afternoon. She does know the nature of her illness, or when and where she became ill. That's uh, no help at all. How can you not know the nature of the illness? But she's fine. Are you bleeding from the eyes? Are you vomiting? I don't know. Mm. All right. Uh, she's performing at the Flamingo Hotel. Now, Braxton doesn't have a, a show uh, tonight, apparently, so she's canceled it. But they won't tell us any more about it. Well, okay. Uh, all I know is that uh, when you go to Vegas, there's a huge, as Sarah will this Friday, there's a huge uh, picture of her that's been one of those things where it's been airbrushed onto the side of an entire building. It, it really is. It's like Tony, Tony Braxton. Yeah, it's like Tony Braxton a thousand feet high. Uh, it's on the side what of What song did she sing? Did she sing that Breathe Again Nobody song? Nobody knows. No, I couldn't tell you. Uh, that's the thing. You know what? I couldn't tell you a single song that Tony Braxton has, has performed. Not one. I think I smell payola. <laughs> I smell it too, Tim. Uh, anyway, so uh, so there you go. Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Unbreak uh, my heart. Oh, that's uh, ironic. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, she's having heart problems, heart. right? Really? <laughs> uh, un... Un... 
on it seems like there ought to be some other joke, but I guess that's the best one. I'm break my heart really. Uh unmodified. Tina Petit. Yes. That's fantastic. That's gonna that's be your publicist? That's gonna be my drag name. It's Tina Petit, by the way. Hey, you know there's a somebody who uh there's somebody who uh, is is a cast member on Friday Night Lights, the TV show, and their name is I, I'm not I'm unsure about what character she plays, but her name is Taylor Kitsch, and it's spelled K I T S C H Taylor Kitsch. And I decided that I decided that were I ever to be um, like a gay male fashion consultant, my name would be Richie Kitsch. Just so you know. So someday, if you ever see me on Project Runway, like a spinoff, uh, my name is going to be Richie Kitsch. Just be Richie aware. Kitch. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, I just get Richie's top five stripping songs. Yeah, isn't that unnerving? Oh, Look at the part think... where he specified what kind of dancing he would be doing. The one song is is designated as the song he would be using while he was, quote, stripping in your face. My word. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, CBS has no plans to outsource any of its news gathering operations of to course CNN. Not. No. We're extremely satisfied and proud of our news gathering operation. Big no believe... outside arrangement is being negotiated. Big believers in the brand, Tim. Uh, this is a response to a New York Times story. That reported CBS has been discussing a deal to outsource some of its news-gathering operations to CNN. An arrest report says a 70-year-old man attacked an 81-year-old man with a pricing gun inside a Walmart. And Dennis O'Brien and John Esposito began arguing, and O'Brien swung at Esposito with a tool in his right hand. <laughs> Esposito suffered a swollen left eye and cuts to his nose and mouth. Esposito said both he and O'Brien both worked at Walmart. Oh, can you imagine that being 70 years old and 81 years old having to work at Walmart? And then what have you done to your life? <laughs> I mean, seriously, what led you to this? I, I can see why somebody would be attacked. Anyway, well, not to worry. Well, no, okay no, but you can understand what would lead a man to snap. Mm-hmm. Where one day, you know, he has to shake the nine millionth hand at the door, greeting some fat-ass soccer mom in a Tigger shirt. I'm 81 years old and I have a pricing gun. <laughs> Uh, all right, here's the... Uh, you can do, it, do as many stories as you like, Tim, but there's the top five whenever you're ready. Here's the top five. Five, oh, now. four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, now, earlier today, this ended up being a good idea for all. Uh, we couldn't come up with anything for today's top five. Tomorrow, we will have Richie Bristol's uh, top five songs he would strip to if he were a male stripper, which he really might be, for all we know. Um, and he has said that he will bring in a chair and other things to demonstrate his dancing skills. Did he really say that? He, Really, really did. Raise your hand if you want to see that. Oh, me either. Um, <laughs> and, and then Thursday, Sarah's got to do her uh, top five most embarrassing songs in your collection because she'll be gone on Friday. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. On Friday, it'll be uh, Kristen Bowie. So, All right. Uh, anyway, so we threw this out to the people, and we had actually a, a couple folks recommended this. Uh, this is the, uh, the top five list the listeners came up with, and then we assembled the top five songs made famous through cover versions. Tim Riley? All right. Audible mention goes to I Want Candy by Bow Wow Wow. Now, is this the Bow Wow Wow version? It says that it is. Okay, I think I think it might be hard to tell, actually. This was, Yeah, it is. This is the 80s version. It's such great sunglasses. Because this was originally done by Tim. I don't know. The Strange Loves, 1965. I'm actually not such a big fan of this song, but I know that it is uh, 
You know, the funny thing about this is... Bow Wow Wow did this. Taken from the Strange Loves, when of course the whole song is ripped off by the song Bo, it's ripped off from the song Bo Diddley by the artist of the same name. This is the this song is really one of the most shining examples of what is in music called the Bo Diddley beat, which is that shave and a haircut, you know, that shave and a haircut thing. Dun 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 dun. See also, who do you love? Didn't Aaron Carter do some creepy remake of this a couple years ago? I'm looking on the YouTube here and it says Mel uh, Mel C did. A cover of it. Really? Yeah. I think this is that weird video where they're all buried up to their heads in the, on the beach. It exactly is. Yeah. And you're right, Aaron Carter did. Do you have that? Can you can you find that version? Oh, God. Okay. I want to hear what Aaron Car- uh, Carter's version of that song sounds like. He's a nasty little kid. He is. He's gross. He wears all that foundation. And it's like, ugh. Plus, he acts like a spoiled brat. Plus, he had that creepy thing where he's jumping up and down in a bed in his pajamas. Didn't both him and his brother, didn't they get, like, emancipated from their parents or something? Yeah, they all lived in a house. Probably. Little little brats always do. Okay, let's see. Mm -hmm. Any second now. The sound of quality. Oh, wait. Gotta let it buffer. Mm -hmm. Why not try buffering? Hey, that's a good idea. Somebody should use that on the net. Mm -hmm. Some sort of a... You're trying buffering. Mm Mm-hmm. He's on the phone. Oh, God. Because he's so busy all the time. Ah. I already regret this decision. Hey, Justin. Hey, it's Aaron. I can't come out tonight. I'm going to see this girl. Is that Aaron? Yeah. He sounds like a girl. He's a Ken. Candy. Her name is Candy. I believe he's going to go, uh... Why, really? I would Why? never have thought this was a boy singing. It sounds like a little Joey McIntyre. Maybe it's E-R-I-N. All right, let's never play this yeah. again. These are the top five songs made famous through their cover versions. Number five, The Man Who Sold the World, made famous by Nirvana. Uh, sort of a moderate hit uh, for David Bowie. David Bowie's never much of a singles guy. Um... But really, it achieved, it achieved its, its greatest mainstream fame on the Nirvana Unplugged record, which I do quite like. This is really a, a great version of the song. With the microphone squeak and everything, everyone yeah. knows it down to that. It's just, it's such a beautiful album. This whole album is really, really good. I mean, as much as I really didn't care for Nirvana, this was the album that won me over. This... That was totally opposite. Like, I had no idea that this, that this was a cover. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the, the one that I didn't know, uh, the one that I didn't know was a cover. He sings, I guess it's some Meat Puppet song later on, and I didn't spot right off somehow that it was a Meat Puppet song. This album oh, also... Uh, yeah, it's, no, it's, um, I think it's Oh Me is the other one. But it's the other great song in here. Uh, is he does that great cover of Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam, which is like the saddest, most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And speaking of great covers, you know, the other one we also could have used from this record, we could have used Where, Do you sleep? Uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night, oh, the Lit yeah. Belly song. They played it on KUFO, actually. It's a, that's, that's a really, really powerful song. I mean, listening to this record, you really do get two things. A, a sense of how much a master of sort of 
melody and delivery Kurt Cobain really was, his good sense of dynamics. And the other thing that comes across on this record is how much he really did love music himself. Because, it's you know, he could have just sat there and just done some, you know, because most of those MTV Unplugged records are just crap. Because it's just a bunch of versions of your own songs put in arrangements that nobody cares about, done in some sort of uninteresting acoustic fashion. But he really, at that point, they were still the biggest band in the world. And, um, right there. They were still the biggest band in the world, and he took the time to do songs that weren't just by his band, but songs that he thought people should hear or be exposed to. And, I mean, that was a pretty great thing for him to do. Yeah, this is really beautiful. Mm. Him in that that green sweater. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that he was playing with Pat Smear before. Yep. You know, he was already dead when this came out. That's a thing I forget sometimes. That when this was released, I think he'd already been dead for almost a year. Ah. All right, top five songs that became famous via their cover versions. Number four, The Twist, made famous by Chubby Checker. Originally recorded by who? I don't know. Hank Ballard. Didn't Chubby Checker do... Like 700 different versions of this, all of which hit the charts. There, there are all kinds of different twists. Like a peppermint twist. He did the peppermint twist. I don't, I'm not sure if he did the peppermint twist. Somebody did. Him seeing these, let's twist again. Oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot Slow that. Twist. Slow twist. Um, let's not forget the version he did with the Fat Boys in 1983. Fat Boys? Yeah. Twist? I mean, it's the very definition of when you've got a good thing, you take it as far as you can take it. I think it's, you know, you get those guys who realize they may never uh, be able to get that lightning in a bottle again. You you may never again have a song that is this big, which is why I don't begrudge people selling their songs for commercials or video games. You might not get a second chance to, to make it. You get a song that works, you flog it until it's dead. Yeah. All right, counting down the top five songs made famous through cover versions. Number three, All Along the Watchtower, made famous by Jimi Hendrix. And I know that Sarah and I disagree on this, but I really, really love this version. It's just so apocalyptic. It's not that I don't love it. I just like you Bob Dylan better. You prefer the Dylan version? I don't know. I'm probably the only person, but I do. I, I think it also helps or hurts, depending on who you are, that this is the one that classic rock radio has really pounded into our heads over the years. Totally. I mean, I can count on less than one hand the number of times I've ever heard any radio station play the Dylan version, I think. I can't get no relief. Business man there to drink my wine. Come and take my earth. None will level on the mind. Nobody up in this world. Great song. Counting on the top five songs made famous via their cover version. Number two, come on, feel the noise. Made famous by Quiet Riot. I can tell this is taken, like, off some MTV tape video. I kind of liked it, though. I found the clear version. I'm like, I like this muscly version. I kind of like the hiss. You can you can practically see it in your head when you hear that sort of hiss. Oh! What happened? Party foul! It's four time, minutes and 31 seconds for long. Boo! Well, gosh darn it. Uh, some other time, perhaps. <laughs> Number one! <laughs> Are we just, well, let me stop for just a moment and say... Hang on, I'll just pick another one. Uh, I was just going to say... Uh, I, why did I have to pick the wrong one? Damn you, Sarah Dillon! Damn me! Uh, I was going to say about that song. Uh, yeah. I am, the Oasis version of that song? Oasis did a pretty good version, but I think that Liam might swear at the beginning of it. Okay. No, we don't want any swearing on this um, uh, So Slade, of course, did Come On, Feel the Noise. 
Uh, and Slade is one of those bands, huge in Britain, couldn't buy a hit here to save their lives. Um, uh, but Quiet Riot did that, and I know that this is heresy to most people, and especially to anybody of British extraction who's listening, but I really strongly prefer the Quiet Riot version. I think it's the definitive version of the song. And I found the Guitar Hero 2 version. They really don't have another version of this. Really? No. Uh, anyway, it's just, it's, it's... No, let's let's <laughs> okay, not. Anyway, it's a great it version to be. And you know, Kevin DeBrow is one of the all-time great vocalists, and it's great. And uh, there you go. All right, top five songs made famous via their cover versions. Tim, oh my, number one, "Friends in Low Places," made famous by Garth Brooks. Wow. Number one, recorded about three months earlier by Mark Chestnut. And well, how'd you like to be that guy? I mean, how'd you like to be the guy that had it recorded Friends in Low Places like 90 days earlier? Eh, and probably, you know what it is? Mark Chestnut recording Friends in Low Places, then covered by Garth Brooks. That's like the guy who invented that Frappuccino, and no one will believe him. Mark Chestnut probably plays something. He goes, uh, I, I, this is my song. I did this first. It, probably no one takes him seriously. I know I'm not supposed to like Garth Brooks, but I do. Oh, no, you do. This is a pretty great song. Is this, Everyone likes this song. And it, I wonder if this is the version. Have you heard? Uh, have you ever heard that live version, which may be this one, where he adds the extra verse at the end? No, I don't know it well enough to know if there was. Is this on YouTube? Yeah. It can, says Friends in Low Places long version. Can you skip to about halfway through? This, uh, this is... There, he actually does... Oh, and we've got a break soon. Do we? This is pretty great, actually. But, does anybody know the words of that verse? <laughs> We're not going to have time to play it, are we? We will. Okay. We can do it. He's such well, a showman. Case, okay, come on, Garth. I think the friends in low places should sing that. Oh, now see, it's never going to work. It's it's not going to work if he's having a crowd sing it. Let's see. This ought to be good. For the love of God. All right. Here we go. Well, I this is not going to work. Is this not working? Can you understand what they're saying? Yep. Yeah. Mean to cause a big scene. Just wait till I finish this glass. That's pretty great. That's a guy who knows how to work a crowd right there. All right, we gotta go. All right, back after this, the Rick Emerson show. All right, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. By the way. This email says, Rick, Taylor Kitsch is a dude. He plays Tim Riggins on Friday Night Lights. That's really bizarre. Where did we hear Taylor Kitsch before? I was saying that there was somebody, and I assumed it was a girl, on Friday Night Lights named Taylor Kitsch. And I said oh, that okay. my, my gay fashion advisor name would be Richie Kitsch. Yeah, he's sort of the, Taylor Kitsch is, uh, Tim Riggins is sort of the Jordan Catalano of the Friday Night Lights world. Taylor Kitsch, all right. See, you know what's, you know what's weird is you just took your glasses off, and now it's that thing where you look weird without your glasses. <laughs> all right, uh, do we have time for a call? Oh, sure. All right. Pick a number, one through four. Three. 
Hello, last call of the day. Don't be awful. Uh, I'll try not to. Okay, go ahead. Hey, I just thought you would have preferred to educate your listeners more if you would have played the original versions of the song rather than the popular ones that everybody already knows. Because I'm a total fan of covers and, you know, songs before they were popular kind of Why do you got to be hating? Why do you got to end the show with something negative? Well, I know you're into music. You know, we labor, we work. We, we tried so to put hard these together. together this at the last minute. Took yeah. it at the very last minute. We really had to uh, to bust our humps to put it together. Well, you call up and you commend us on a job well done. Way to put that together in very little time. No, no, no. It's all about vile and bitterness, sir. Well, I got to do what I got to do. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thanks, Next time we'll sure. do the original, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. We want to thank Cena Radio Correspondent Steve Kassam. I'm Lisa Desjardins and James Roop. Join us tomorrow when I guess we'll include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented MB Spectacled Sarah X. Dillon for AM970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper's days in. The webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. Brian Jones, CBS uh, Radio Portland uh, Director of Engineering. And C, uh, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru Susan Reynolds. Like us next, Dynamite at 7. See you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Bye now. Ma, 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 ma.